listening to episode 16 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who've decided to record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. This week's episode is brought to you by Stankcast. Come smell the B.O. of all your favorite pals with Stankcast. (laughs) This is the worst thing we've ever done. (laughs) I was thinking that. Gross. Thank you for that, Phil. Much appreciated. As always, how are the pals doing? I'm doing great, man. Nice. (laughs) I tried to give a sincere answer. I'm feeling good today. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Stop. That's fucking vile, man. Ew. Stankcast. The gross pal. Stankcast. (laughs) You're like a a garbage pail kid come to life. (laughs) (laughs) I already hate this episode. I was in a good mood. So, oh, God. All right. I'm putting a moratorium on burping during the show, please. (laughs) Thank you. Let's not do that. All right. Woo! You've already turned off half of our listeners. Yeah, the the meter is reading low. (laughs) All right. So it's actually a, a pretty big week in comics. Uh, it didn't. It it wasn't. It wasn't looking that way. But last night it turned out to be. So we've got a lot to talk about. So we're gonna dive right into the show. But before we do that, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about where you can find us on the internet. So we've got Twitter and Instagram at the Comics Pals. You should check us out there. Uh, we're always posting cool stuff. So be sure to look for us on there. iTunes. We are a five-star rated podcast. I'm very excited about that. Uh, So check us out there. Leave us a like. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. YouTube. Leave us a like and a comment on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel. That's much appreciated. Uh, And the biggest thing you can do to help us out is share the show. Let people know that you like us. Let them know what we're doing. Um, You know, bring more people into the fold. Bring more pals in. Uh, And last but not least, certainly not least... Uh, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. That's thecomicspals at gmail.com. We will read your uh, email on the air. So hit us up. Send us your Comics Pals fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I'd read that. I'd totally read that, dude. Everyone's going to ship Marco and I together. <laughs> they would. <laughs> <laughs> I'd ship us together, Phil. So, uh, let's get into what we've been reading this week. Anybody want to start us off? Uh, yeah, I'll start. Uh, so this week I uh, I read uh, Franco uh, Francesco Francavilla's mm-hmm. uh, Spirit Number no. One uh, from from Dynamite. Yeah, it was really good. Um, but so Marco and I were kind of talking about this um, in our in our our chat thread. Uh, this book has a weird hype train to it yeah and i think and i think it's because frank v is attached to it of course and that part that part i'm totally okay with um it is it's stellar artwork it's like i mean it it looks to be stellar writing Mm -hmm. um but the issue itself like like the actual like content and the story itself isn't much of anything like it's you know it's the first issue it's you know the first 20 minutes of a of a noir movie like just to set up there's there's nothing to it yeah so i i don't like and that's again not to say that it's bad it's just there's nothing there <laughs> yet so i don't yeah i don't get i don't get the hype train yeah i remember you saying that it was just kind of like yeah it was like it was a great setup or whatever but i mean we don't even know what's happening yet yeah so 
I don't quite understand right, yeah. all yeah. the excitement yet, but I mean, you're a big Spirit fan, so. Yeah, yeah, love the Spirit, love to see Frank and the doing the Spirit, but I, I, I'm waiting for more. Nothing wrong so. with that. Okay. Uh, so I also uh, read uh, Dead Man Number One. Um, it was uh, Dark Mansions of Forbidden Love. I, I talked about it a few weeks ago now, and I finally got around to it. It's uh, a um, like a special event. I don't know. It's not even an event. Just a small like romance story that uh, Dead Man is a part of. And I've read little bits of. No, that's not true. I've read uh, whole issues of of Dead Man. Uh, and they explore something really interesting in this book that I never really thought of. Um, in Kingdom Come, you see Dead Man like hang out with like the uh, the Green Lanterns, uh, Guardians, and like the Wizard Shazam and the Spectre. And you know he's kind of there. He's kind of watching. He like he's this cosmic being right like he's he's like one of the things that is like transcended death to be like this ghostly presence or whatever um but in it's really interesting in this book like he's he's sort of like all of a sudden has limitations just because of whatever magic or whatever is going on it's a really interesting uh really interesting story um they uh it, it seems like the author, I believe her name is uh, Sarah Vaughn. The portion of the show where Kale gets someone's I haven't name looked that up, I, and I apologize to our... our <laughs> uh, she makes it a, a big point to uh, make the protagonist... Uh, I think I think she's bisexual, or she seems bisexual anyway. I mean, she could be, you know, any number of sexualities or whatever. Um, but there's also uh, a trans person. And uh, she makes it a point that, like, you know, that their pronouns are they, you know, they, there, and dead, and like dead, like dead man mentions it, and then is you know corrected, and then he goes, oh, she, oh wait, I'm sorry, they, and it, it's like a point where even like it's like you know this guy was killed in the fifties, but even he's like, oh okay, yeah, no sweat. I don't know it's really interesting. Um, but then I also I also watched the first episode of uh, the Archie show uh, Riverdale. Yeah, I wanted to talk about this. So, what did you think? Yeah, I'm not super impressed, but I'm also I think it it might have it's just an issue one, Kale. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I think it might have me because like I I watched it and Jess and I were uh, we weren't excited about it, and then. As I like, as I like, went to sleep, and then as I woke up and was in the shower, I was like, "But who killed Jason Blossom? Like, I I, I, I want to know who killed Jason Blossom." So, like, what, what didn't, what didn't land about it for you? Like, what, what are your, what are your like overall impressions? So, I guess I don't know. Like, um, so in the in the first uh in the Archie reboot. Uh, Mark Wade and Fiona Staples. One of the things that uh, Mark Wade really taught he he really focuses on is that Archie is more of a window uh, into Riverdale. Like you're seeing stuff through his through his eyes, and that's that's you know while the drama is like around him, he's not really like he is part of it, but it's not like he's not the most interesting character. It 
Yeah, yeah. But in Riverdale, it's weird because he is. I I don't even think he's the most interesting. But it's like he's definitely the leading man. It's almost kind of thing, or yeah, yeah, and he shouldn't be. It it, it feels weird. Um, and. Like, they took it a weird direction. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, though, like, when you think about, like, a Hollywood adaption. Yeah, but isn't it, like, a... Isn't, like, a whole murder mystery thing, right? Yeah, so it's a very Twin Peaks sort of, uh... Murder mystery. Um, Jughead is writing a novel. And that's weird. (laughs) Like, like, we don't see him, but we get his narration through the whole episode. He talks over the... And that's weird. That's weird. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so do you guys want me to tell you like Archie's thing? How do you mean? Because it's it's kind of jarring. Wait, what do you mean? Like it was very it was very jar like Archie's thing. Like it's it's so I mean it's been three weeks. Yeah. Now, so who cares? Um, Archie is sleeping with his music teacher. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Oh okay. Or like over or like over the summer they hooked up, and he's like. He's like a 16-year-old kid, right? Like, yeah, that's like really weird. That's illegal. Yeah. <laughs> illegal. It just didn't it had, I and really it was more I think it was more Archie that didn't sit right with me versus everything else. It just like, you know, for a show that's about this guy or supposed to be about this guy. Maybe it's not supposed to be about this guy. Maybe I need to, you know, switch my point of view on the show, but like it just it's weird and then you add that and it's like that's illegal like <laughs> you know to be fair Dawson's Creek did this in the 90s that's not that crazy for television that's a thing in Dawson's Creek <laughs> yeah the character Pacey sleeps with his teacher yeah i don't know it it sits weird it sits weird for me so is that it kale yeah that's all cool i've been meaning to check out riverdale i might do that uh, so, Pete, you want to tell us what you've read this week? Sure. Um, I don't have, like, too, too much to say about what I read this week, um, because, like, I didn't really read anything current. I, I read a bunch of stuff, um... Cool, talk about it. Doing research <laughs> for some... <laughs> Thanks, Phil. <laughs> uh, I read a bunch of stuff for, um, research I'm doing for, uh, some articles I wrote at CBR, so I'm, like, reading a lot of, like, old comics, and specifically right now... I'm reading a bunch of stuff from the 90s where um, Marvel and DC did their crossovers that led up to the Amalgam stuff that they did, which, if you don't know, um, was basically they did a bunch of crossovers that had some of their superheroes fighting, some of them teaming up, and then eventually it led to this big event that had this, like, cosmic being, these two cosmic beings who were brothers that like finally saw each other that were like representatives of each universe and then they fight and they force all the heroes to fight and then they decide to like fuse the universes and you get all these weird like fusion versions of like characters like there's one like called dark claw who's like batman and wolverine um i think it's the patriot is like captain america and um and superman uh, and there's like Spider Boy, who's uh, Spider Man and Superboy. I think Superboy. I think he's the most famous of all those. I could be wrong. I don't know. Maybe I feel yeah, like Dark Claw was pretty Dark popular, um, especially in the '90s. But um, so like it was this. It's just this crazy thing, and uh, it's something I read about a lot 
like when I was like just in that phase of getting back into comics and like reading about shit on Wikipedia and like just learning about his the history of comics. And um, I came across like one of the issues when I was doing research for a previous piece and I like got all of them. And I've just been reading, like, every single one of them. So I don't want to, like, go through every single one and, like, who wrote what. But um, they're, like, really ridiculous and, like, a crazy fun gem of, like, 90s comics. And, like, it's 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 very much like a uh, kind of, you know, it's like a dream scenario, I feel like, as a comic book writer. Where it's just like, alright, you get to write the story of when the Incredible Hulk fought Superman. Like, you know, you get three pages, make them beat the shit out of each other and move on. <laughs> it's like, it's great. I, I don't know. It's a lot of fun. Um, a lot of fun. It's totally ridiculous and all the, like, explanations for why they're meeting each other are fucking ludicrous. But, yeah, of course. You know, the, the actual interactions themselves are a lot of fun. I loved it, dude. Uh, I've read it. I've, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. But it's, it's like, it's ridiculous comics at its best, you know? And who doesn't want to see that, right? Like... Right, yeah. The, the one thing that's nuts is like they did this series called um I think it was I think it was Access or something like that. Or no, no, it was the actual mini series they did that was called DC versus Marvel or Marvel versus DC where like they had them all fight um because the gods demanded it or whatever and uh it was like who won some of the fights came down to like popular vote. Um so like some of them are a little controversial, but like most of them are actually like I think pretty pretty legit in terms of like who would actually win um but that's like you know the age-old question of like who would win between superman and the hulk and so it's fun to see that play out you know yeah that's awesome can you give an example of one of the ones that was controversial uh i i feel like the spider-man versus superboy maybe like spider-man one. Oh, whoa and hmm. and like yeah like super our superboy is like obviously more powerful than he is but um, I don't know. I feel like early '90s Spider-Man could take out early '90s Superboy. That's kind of like Spider-Man. It is worth like noting Spider-Man was more powerful then. Like he was like kind of juiced up. So, but also, yeah, I think there you could make an argument about like you know Spider-Man having been around for a while. You know, at, at, yeah, having more experience yeah, yeah, yeah. and being smarter, definitely. You know, um, so I don't know, Pete. I don't. Are you think trying it's... to date Spider-Man? <laughs> I love Spider-Man, obviously, but he's a married man, Phil. Uh, In my canon. (laughs) Shut up. I hate you. (laughs) This was back in the 90s when things were pure. When it was pure and there were clones running around. Anything else, Pete? Oh, no. I mean, like, yeah, it's like I could talk about any of them individually, but uh, I read some other stuff. Like, I read um, a miniseries called The Original Saga of the Human Torch. Which or the saga of the original Human Torch, which was in like from the nineties, um, which was like a retelling of the original Human Torch's story, That's and cool. um, it was fun because it was like written in like a Silver Age style, and like he, it's like his origin, uh, him meeting up with Toro, who is his sidekick, and then they go to World War Two and fucking kill Hitler, <laughs> and, and like uh, they team up with um, Cap and Bucky and Namor, and like become the invaders and stuff, and. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Like basically, he's supposed to go and like k- kidnap Hitler alive, 
and uh, like Hitler almost escapes, so he's just like fuck it and just burns him to death. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> and then like in his dying breath, Hitler like tells one of his men, he's like, "Tell everyone I committed suicide." <laughs> and Toro's like, "Yeah, he's like lying with his dying breath." Oh my god! I wonder how many characters have killed Hitler in the comics. That's a that's a great question. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. I have. Shameless, shameless plug. If you want to go see how many characters have fought Hitler, you can go read the article I did for CBR and help pay my bills. Fifteen times that superhero Ugh. fought a Nazi. Shameless Boom. plug. Plugs. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Phil, go for it. All right, I'm gonna keep it short. I read the first issue of Vision by Tom King, and I plan on finishing it all today because it's super good. Um. Like, just off the get-go, the way he kind of presents this atomic, you know, blasé family structure with, like, the narration, but then it's, like, super, um, the super uh, omnipotent narrator, like, talking about what's going to happen at the end of the book, um, and there's, like, individual lines that really stood out to me by, like, like, independent little lines, like, at one point... Vision says, obviously, to assert as truth that which has no meaning is the core mission of humanity. And I stopped and I read that like four times. So I was like, shit. And the point is, Tom King is my dude. Yeah, it's a good book. Yeah, Tom King is a very he's smart my G. man. More and more, he's becoming like my favorite writer in comics right now. Yeah. Aside from like the gods like Rick Remender. Yeah, well, but, he's um, my favorite newish writer, I should, I would say. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Like it's crazy, man. Like I feel like he came out of nowhere, and then it's just been like, I don't know, just really killing it, it, rising through the ranks. I'm actually really excited, Phil, that you're reading that, and I can't wait to hear what you ultimately think. That book really stuck with me, uh, and there's so much embedded in each issue. Like it it really Mm -hmm. pays to pay attention to the panels because there's a lot to every issue. How many issues is that? I want to say twelve. 10, 12, 12, yeah, yeah. 12. Oh, yeah, wow. they 10, okay. 12. I'm gonna read that for, before next week, and then we can talk. We can, and then we can, we'll both have read. And we while we were doing it. the, while we were doing the podcast last week, I um, was, I bought Sheriff of Babylon Volume One and Two. And, oh uh, yeah, I, I gotta do that. That should be coming to mail any day now. So by next week, I'd like to have all the the big Tom King books from 2015, 2016 read. Maybe we can just do a Tom King episode. Hey, that'd be cool. I'd be down to do that. I'd be down. Um, was that it, Phil? Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was it. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll put a pin in that one, and we'll come back to it uh, maybe next week and get your feedback on the full run. Yeah, maybe everyone will have read it. Uh, everyone else, I mean, other than you, because I think you're the only one that's read the whole thing. Kale, you probably have too, right? I've only read uh, the first half. I'll definitely commit to reading Vision. I don't know if I'll be able to get through Vision and Batman and the other fucking things that you just talked about. Yeah, maybe we'll do Tom King episode in like two weeks, but I can read Vision. Cool. Marco? Um, yeah, so I read quite a bit, and I actually finished the um, the Vision story. So like, I, I finished, I got the second trade, so I finally finished it, and uh, it was it was good. I, I liked it a lot more in the beginning. It felt a lot more like, like gothic horror-y, um, and it really like psychological horror. Towards the end, though, where he, because then... He, 
actually i don't want to i don't want to spoil it but like towards the end it sort of lost me because of the way he started treating the character um it it, it was like a, a shift tonally and i didn't really it was like it was whatever you're talking about vision right? And it, yeah 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 cool all right well i mean like let's put a pin in that we'll talk about that next week yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we've all read it um i also read um how to talk to girls at a party that was for personal advice purposes. Oh right? yeah, it was, of course. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of it, Marco? Um, I think I, I I told you guys like in the chat, it was just really odd writing. It was it didn't feel any like coherent in any way. It didn't have any kind of central idea. I'd, like it was just a story about a guy and talking to these women who he doesn't realize what they really are. And like, that's it. The art's really nice. Fabio Moon and Gabriel Bot, they're like, they're great artists, but they couldn't, I guess the story couldn't be told like this. I don't know. Scathing review from Marco. Yeah, he really didn't like it. I remember he was like yeah. really negative about it. In the yeah, I was disappointed. Like, I expected a lot more. Yeah. I guess. I mean, you, you like Neil Gaiman quite a bit, so. Yeah, yeah. He's a negative boy. I'm not negative boy. <laughs> Mark, you you are a little bit. You're a tough critic when it comes to comics. It's He's true. harsh. This this guy didn't like uh, Arkham Asylum. Whoa, 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 no, no, no. All right, all right, let me didn't get like to Arkham that. Asylum, didn't like let, All-Star Superman. Yeah, Spider-Man let me get Blue? to that. Hot whoa, guy? Whoa, Fractions right. hot guy? Accusations. I said this in the chat, There's but Marco shits on about. the other pals' <laughs> Bibles. <laughs> And then I sent, and then I sent Pete that video. Oh yeah, yeah. And then we called him out on it. And then Marco sends me a fucking video of him throwing an invincible compendium in a trash oh. can. <laughs> and then he shit all over Civil God War. Damn no, monster. don't, don't. So Arkham Asylum. Let's let's talk about so that. So we're gonna take this accusation by accusation. Marco's <laughs> gonna rebuttal. Here we go. Uh, so, so uh, like I told you guys in the chat. I liked it. It wasn't like anything amazing or groundbreaking to me because um, it was touching upon something that I've seen in other in other series and, and things like that. So it wasn't a new concept to me, which is the the idea that Batman's actually insane as well. And so yeah, it wasn't anything that like blew me away. That was your takeaway. That was one of them. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay, okay, read okay, that shit. Philip. This is why the old guard fans hate Marco. This is. It's like I'm like, yeah, all right, he's crazy. I get it. God. Marco's Marco's one of those uh, libtard newbies. <laughs> Did you just say libtard? <laughs> yeah, it was a joke. Jesus Christ. Oh my God. So Phil, what was your takeaway? So okay, hang on, Marco. The, oh, oh yeah, yeah. The the issue with that, with you, with the issue with you, Marco. Like like <laughs> <laughs> the intervention like, pals. So the thing about Arkham Asylum is that I mean, on on a very minor scale, just based on what you took from it, is that that Arkham Asylum is the first, really the first time uh, Batman's sanity had ever really been questioned. Mm-hmm. So of course you've seen it before because it's been done over and over and over again right. ever since. No, I get that. I'm I'm just saying because it, me already knowing about that idea sort of it impacted the way I, I, 
I read the book because it wasn't as big of a shock. And I was also expecting, uh, I, I had like just higher expectations that it was going to be something more, there's going to be something more cryptic in the messaging. You also didn't have that context until after you had read the book. So you read it and you were kind of just like, I don't really see what the big deal is. And then Sean was like, well, this is the first book where that would ever right, happen. Right, right. like, oh. Yeah, and in that yeah. context, so, yeah, it, like, it makes sense in that context. And I, I would get that. But just like me already knowing knowing that it sort of hampered how the, the book, how I perceived it. No, we got you. We, all right, so you've already explained why you hate All-Star Superman. So uh, what about Spider-Man Blue? What about well, that book? Well, I was going to say <laughs> the one thing uh, about um, Arkham Asylum was the art. Uh, Dave McKean, his um, his art. Whenever they translate it to like like print, it always gets uh, damaged and affected in some ways. That's why they always have uh, they had to do like remastered versions of the Sandman because his art was sometimes too dark and stuff like that. I don't think they've done it to Arkham Asylum, um, which is why the the art uh, it was it was really really great. But it was uh, I, I hate when you say this is a good thing underscore but. <laughs> no, no, no. But it, it, it's his Dave McKean's art is never like shown to its fullest potential because of the way they they would um, scan it into the comics. Like the same thing happened with both Black Orchid um, and stuff like that. Like when he published those books and books of Sandman. So um, I don't know if the version I had was it was an older version. So it might have just been like the production. I fucking hate when they reprint book with like updated art. Like they recently re-released like a neil adams omnibus and uh for his batman book and like all the art has been like there's been a lot of recoloring and stuff and i fucking hate that leave the fucking book alone i don't dave mckean's art in um serious house is great it fits the ambiance of the book the book is about what kind of nightmares would batman have more or less and the fact that it's all fluid and surrealist is very appropriate for the gothic setting of Batman. You fucking libtard, as Pete would say. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. I, I don't want to use that word. I don't like it. <laughs> What's next? Is a pal going to use the word cuck next? Okay, moving right along. Uh, <laughs> anything else, I hope Marco? that doesn't happen. Uh, nope, that's cool. it. All right. I hope that doesn't <clears throat> happen. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take over from here because... I read some good stuff, and I read some bad stuff. Oh, finally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're going to start with the good, and we'll end on the bad. Uh, why? Why? You want to start with the bad? All right, we can start with the yeah. bad. The bad yeah, is... Yeah, let's, let's talk about this Jean Grey omnibus. <laughs> Excuse me? First of all, number one, Kale. <laughs> number one, Kale, let me school you real quick. Jean Grey's first solo title is not even out yet. So she's she has no omnibus because she has never had a solo title, all right? That's Ugh, number one. Rightfully so. <laughs> number two, if she ever had a solo title, I guarantee you it would be better than your favorite comic book character's solo title. Guaranteed. So now, be better than the spirit. Now that I've put you in your place, ooh, ooh. <laughs> let me talk about Justice League versus Suicide Squad, okay? Oh, because this oof. book, listen, let me tell you Ooh. something, all right? This oh, boy. <laughs> I want to preface this by saying that I think that Joshua Williamson is actually a really good writer. Because this is a guy, sorry, this is a guy who did, is he doing uh, Flash, The Flash? Yes. And he did Nailbiter? Yes. Okay. He's talented. 
okay? Um, even his Suicide Squad, like the, the actual comic run that's ongoing right now, it's solid, okay? But this book makes no fucking sense. And, like, <laughs> I, ne- I, like I never, ever curse like that on this show, but I just, it, that's what this book evokes from me. I, I counted, okay, because I was really curious. Now, Lobo, right, we all know who Lobo is. Lobo's a cool guy. He so he refers to himself as the main man. That's kind of his the main the main man Lobo. He's he refers to himself as the main man six times in one book, just in this last issue, issue six, six times. That's insane. He doesn't have much to say. He really doesn't. I think you can you can open any random page of this book, and if Lobo was on it, he's referring to himself as the main man. In fact. I just did it. It like <laughs> it's, it's, it's unbelievable. That's great. I don't even. I, is that a problem? It, it is a problem because it's just too. It's too much repetition. It, it, it's you know that's not an interesting thing to say about yourself to begin with. Um, but the the issues with this book is that every character is kind of dumb. So um, Amanda Waller, right? <laughs> She's she's. <laughs> I, love, I love when Sean gets pissed off. Like, so, so every character is a fucking idiot. They, they they really are. Amanda Waller's a smart person. Maxwell Lord, smart person. Uh, so essentially, what's going on is that Maxwell Lord puts together his own team of supervillains so that he can get this uh object and you know take over the world. You know, kind of that that kind of generic stuff. And then it backfires. Naturally, the Justice League members get uh, mind-controlled, and the Suicide Squad and Batman have to fight the whole Justice League by themselves. Stupid, all right? Completely dumb. There's no chance the Suicide Squad can beat the Justice League. But I have to accept um, that. Is, is this uh, the Eclipso thing? Yeah, this is the Eclipso thing. Okay. Uh, so, in the end, whatever, the heroes win. It's revealed that Amanda Waller set this whole thing up Put the entire world at risk, letting Eclipso loose just because she wanted the Justice League to accept the fact that the Suicide Squad exists. That's it. That, that, that's literally what she says. That makes sense to me. <laughs> I'm go- good. I'm glad. <laughs> um, the the writing is just poor. It, it, it's, nothing about this book works. No, no, there's absolutely nothing. Uh, I mean, I guess the art's, you know, solid, but that's it. Every issue has had a different artist, um, which is a, a problem for DC. It, it just wasn't good. Just not, nothing about it was good. Sorry, but yeah. It just seems like a why. Like, why does this exist? And if you're going to do it, why don't you, like, do it well? Like, why? Like, it didn't have to come out now. You know? I don't know how you could do it well. Because it just, on its face, it's like you can't have these two teams fight because one is obviously inferior yeah i mean like i guess you could write a story though where it's like you said it's they have batman right so like maybe maybe like batman uses them to take out the mind control thing and then the justice league's like they don't actually beat them but you know what i mean yeah well and the and the the third act bullshit of amanda waller orchestrated the whole fucking thing no she fucking didn't eclipso is this cosmic being amanda waller has no business being in control of that in the first place yeah so that doesn't make any fucking sense 
Yeah, it's like that. Does, that didn't have to be like. There's a way you can make that stupid story make sense, so you can make that Justice League versus Suicide Squad comic through this <laughs> through this whole explanation. I got mad about this book. <laughs> yeah, that's the most angry the pals have been. It, it was a frustrating read, and it, I mean, like, if you want to get mad, I recommend you read it. But otherwise, I don't. So this next one, I'm not going to talk as much about, but it was amazing. Uh, the Oath, Civil War Two, The Oath. Uh, it's by Nick Spencer. Um, so this is this is basically. What else has Nick Spencer done? You you like him? Right? I love Nick Spencer. He's doing. I feel like you've brought up his stuff before. He's doing Captain America, Steve Rogers, and Captain America, Sam Wilson. Um, and so this book this book is awesome. It's got like a laundry list of artists: uh, Rod Reese, Phil Noto, and then a few other people. And it's just it's just a really good looking book. But beyond that, it tackles Captain America being anointed as the director of shield and at the same time shield being granted <laughs> what's up kale he's anointed the director of shield yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was i was crossing myself for the for the uh, uh uh the the audio audience thank you so everyone the the joke is that it, it was blessed upon him by like the the church and you get it. It almost feels like <laughs> that. Like, it really is, like, a coronation in almost a biblical sense. Um, so, at the same time, though, S.H.I.E.L.D. is being granted new powers, almost like unlimited power, uh, to do whatever they want to do to protect the Earth. And which is, which is weird because they already have that. Not quite. There's a lot, like, throughout Nick Spencer's run especially, but in, in prior runs, there's a lot of... Um, interference in what shield is trying to do for example um maria hill actually just went on trial for some of her actions as director of shield and got you know the boot because of what she did so this book is just one it's basically just one giant conversation that captain america is having with an unconscious tony stark and he just get he just dresses him down he tells him you guys screwed up uh, your egos got in the way, as they always do. You guys are not fit to be the heroes of this planet. You cannot protect the people, but I can, and I'm going to. I'm going to tear down everything you've built, and I'm going to rebuild this world, and it's going to be a Hydra world, and it's going to be a better world. And if you want to stop me, I dare you to get up right now out of your coma and do it. And obviously Iron Man can't. And then we see a future, a vision of the future, and things don't look so good. For the Marvel Cinematic or the Marvel Universe, uh, so that's going to lead into Secret Empire, but it, it's just so well written. Nick Spencer, he just he knows what he's doing when it comes to Cap and the political stuff. I just I love reading it. Um, and then I save the best for last because I haven't enjoyed a Spider-Man comic like I did this one in a really long time. It's uh, Amazing Spider-Man twenty-three. So it's a it's a tie into clone conspiracy, but it, it it's really just one conversation between the Gwen Stacy who is a, like a clone and well reanimated really and Peter Parker. This comic is so good because you, like Gwen Stacy died so long ago, and we never got the chance for her and Peter to have a conversation since then, obviously because she's been dead. But now we have this safe opportunity because she's revived but it's not really her and pete knows that but he's he catches himself talking to her like 
it's the old Gwen Stacy. She has the memories of her death. And what she tells Pete, and this actually, this almost made me cry. What she tells him is that her, in her dying moments, she heard Green Goblin referring to Spider-Man as Peter Parker. And she died feeling betrayed. That he didn't tell her. Huh. Oh, Sad yeah. face. Because he thought the whole time that she blamed him for the death of Captain Stacy. But she said, no, I always loved you, even in my last moments. But when I heard that you were Spider-Man, I felt betrayed. And that was just, like, really powerful. And this isn't, like, this isn't, like, a joke. This isn't a prank. This is the real Gwen Stacy telling him how she felt. Right. The, that's the quote-unquote. Way to make it worse. The, the quote-unquote real Gwen Stacy. Right, right, right yeah. And then throughout the conversation, Peter just like he walls up and he puts his mask on and she says, she, I actually have the page open. She says that mask, you don't wear it to hide your secret identity to protect your loved ones. You know that, right? And of course he doesn't respond. And it's just this moment of like, you realize if you haven't already that, you know, he's protecting himself, right? By wearing this costume. Um, and it was just, it was just so good. It was, it was touching because he, he cries during the conversation because it's just so overwhelming. They have sweet moments together, but then it's like, wait, it's this is actually really tragic, which is the definition of Peter's existence, really. Um, so I just really enjoyed it. I encourage any Spider-Man fan, lapsed or otherwise, to check this out because it really doesn't have anything to do with the clone conspiracy. So yeah, I'm definitely gonna check it out just because I'd like to read that interaction. Um, That's your boy Dan Slott, though. Yeah. I know. I was gonna say Dan Slott wrote yep. it, right? Yep. Don't make me have to praise a Dan Slot book. 2017's a year of change for me, but I don't know Sean, if I can Sean, you might that. get Kale to read Spencer and get Pete to read Slot. Uh, <laughs> I I don't like I don't have a deep-seated hatred for Nick Spencer. I just he seems like a gross person and I don't like that's I it. forgot that, yeah, I forgot you said that. It's not it's it doesn't have that much to do with his writing. Like I liked Ant-Man and the Superior Foes book is fine. Um, but yeah, I'm not, it's got, I don't care about him as a, you know, as a person really. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think his writing speaks for itself. Um, we don't know him as a person. So I, you know, these little Twitter interactions and stuff, it's really tough to judge all that. But, you know, like as a writer, like I just, I'm a big fan. And until he does something that totally turns me off, I'm going to keep on reading his work. Um, so let's uh let's let's move along. We've got we've got a question from a reader that we all kind of don't quite know how to answer, but we may have come up with something. So Kale, do you want to uh you want to take it away? Yes, I will take it away. Nope, that's not it. <laughs> uh I am going to take it away. We're taking it away. Do, 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 do. Here we go. Taking it Better away. Be prepared, Kale. Marco, in the meantime, do you want to shit on all our favorite books some more? Uh, yeah. Spider-Man Blue was the worst. Uh, no, no. You know what? Spider-Man Blue, like the the last, like the last pages, that got me. That was definitely because it's fucking sad. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was good. It was good. <laughs> Oh, good, but Dan Slott ruined it now because Gwen Stacy hates him. <laughs> she doesn't, though. All right, shut up, Marco. Okay. So uh, this question is from uh, Kim Tolentino. Uh, thanks a lot, Kim. Uh, 
So it reads, uh, random question, Mojoverse, better as a series or movie? Director, writer, cast, Dazzler, Mojo, Longshot, Spiral? Um, so here's the thing, Kim. We have no idea how to answer this, uh, but we're going to do our best. Here, here's the thing, Kim. Um, what's a Mojoverse? <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so for those of you who are like Marco and unfamiliar, the Mojoverse is the home world of the villain Mojo, who plagues the X-Men from time to time. He is basically a blob of green booger who <laughs> can't move. And because he's so unbelievably large, he kind of sits in this, like, it's not quite a wheelchair because it has, like, spider legs, but it's yeah, some it's sort like of... Yeah, it's like a, like a scorpion chair. Yeah. And it's got, like, a scorpion tail and spindly legs. He's a, he's a reality TV show network host, basically. And he's okay. a total douche. I'm looking at pictures right now. I've, I've never heard of this before now. Wait, so. really? Yeah. Oh, it's uh, yeah. My my fam- I'm I know it from uh, X Men the animated series. Yeah, exactly. And I I thought it was hilarious when I was a kid how big yeah. of a douche Mojo is, and I love Spiral. Um, Long shots really cool too. And then we all grew up and realized Mojo actually runs the world. Yeah, I was actually gonna say Mojo was Donald Trump on television before Donald Trump got a reality show. Sure was. <laughs> so. So I, I don't know how to answer the question of who should play who because I'm not great at that and I just my mind doesn't work that way. But I will say that I think a Mojo verse television show would be really interesting because since the concept of Mojo verse is that it's a it's a, a reality show which is basically like the Hunger Games, uh I could see a week to week show of that working pretty well. And then Mojo sort of like Maybe sort of like a fantasy island where it's, uh, you know, everybody like, you know, they come to the island and their their fantasy gets, you know, uh, invoked, but it's, you know, it's mojo-fied, right? Do you know, you know, you know, it'd be really cool. That, like, even if that's the setup, I'm talking about like how it would be shot because, um, like Sean said, it's a reality show. They should do it like, um, like the documentary cam style <laughs> that they use for like The Office or like Parks and Rec. Yeah. And like have it be like a you know like an actual reality show set in the Mojoverse. That would be really cool. Yeah, I, I think that there are actually a lot of ways you could go with this, which is weird because it's a show about the Mojoverse. But yeah, I think I think having Longshot be the main hero, right, and then Sp- Spiral playing her role of which is as per usual, kind of like the Enforcer. Uh, Longshot trying to rally the people to not kill each other and instead figure out a way to escape. Spiral chasing them because they're breaking the rules. Mojo flipping out behind the scenes. Uh, coming up with new ways to try to kill them. I think that could be an interesting, uh, you know, 12 episode show. Alright, I, I know what they all look like. Alright, my vote for Mojo is Danny DeVito. See, okay, here's my problem with that, is that X-Men, the animated series, already did something like that. That's basically... He he had that really high screechy voice. Um, oh, that's Mojo. So, so what's wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing's wrong with it. Don't get me wrong. I'm Mojo. Great. But I'm saying it's already been done. <laughs> I'm saying let's do. Uh, I when we floated the idea of this question earlier, I said uh, Stephen Merchant. Um, I like the idea of something a little something a little calmer in such like a, a horrendous body, and then when he freaks out, he like really freaks out. 
Oh shit! Oh, you know who could be really good too? Like we need we want like a big fat guy. Um, the guy who played King Rob on uh, or not Rob? Yeah, no, yeah, the guy who played oh, Rob Baratheon yeah. on Game of Thrones. I can see that. It's, I can see it's, that. It's gotta be someone who is just batshit crazy because Mojo has no chill. So <laughs> that's that's kind of like the thing about him is that like he he's never at all calm. He can't he can't relax. That could be a t-shirt. Mojo, yeah, Mojo has no chill. Mojo has no chill. Okay, um, so for long shot though, I'm gonna suggest um Zach Efron. Oh, Zach Efron as, as long shot. Yeah, that's uh, right. I was gonna say yeah, I guess. Steve Buscemi for Mojo, and if not Steve Buscemi, <laughs> Steve Buscemi, I really like the idea of Donald Trump as Mojo because it's fucking accurate. So like next year we're getting a Mojo versus show. Uh-huh. If we're still here, and then what was the other character's name? I forgot. Spiral. Spiral. Yeah, she's like white hair, four arms. Yeah. Um, Ronda Rousey. Next question. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. Right, we, they wanted her to play Captain Marvel. I, yeah, it's not gonna happen. So maybe we get her to be get her to be some muscle spiral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that could be interesting. Anybody else have anything to add to this? Uh, Kesha for Dazzler. Oh, I'm into it. yeah, that's I'm into a really it. good one, Kale. Yeah, I would also accept. I would also accept Lady Gaga, who is basically. Oh, uh, I was gonna say that for Mojo, um, John Candy, because I think he plays good villains. Ooh, John, yeah. he's Candy? fucking dead, though. Oh wait, wow. um. Not John Candy. Oh, <laughs> um, I know. He's that, dead. That, Whoops. That, that, that blew me away. Like I'm not turned off to, on that at all. It blew me away. I would be totally okay with a John Candy. No, there's um, a key mojo. problem with that, Kale. Like the man's not uh, on this look, planet look, hey, anymore. Hold on. <laughs> I'm not, there's look. a key problem. He's dead. That wasn't that wasn't the component of the question. Uh, John Goodman. Right. Mm. Ooh, yeah, that's what I'm I meant. Fucking good, man. Yeah, that's what I meant. I that's a John good Goodman one. Perfect. So, thanks for the question, uh, Kim. Hopefully, you enjoyed our attempt at trying to answer. And if yeah, you thanks guys, for writing in, Kim. Yeah, if you guys want to send in questions, we will read them on the air. Uh, you can send them to us at thecomicspals at gmail So please do write to us. We appreciate it. I can't believe we got so much material out of that. Yeah, I know, right? Pals like to talk. That's the thing about us. We do like to talk. Uh, and speaking of talking, I've got a random question for us. So this ties into what we'll be talking Wait. about later. Sorry? So you mean, it's time for the random question of the week. You're only about 20 minutes <laughs> too yes, late. Yes, that, yes, it is. Uh, the question is, who is your favorite character to take on another superhero's identity? So... As you think about this, think about, like, for example, Nightwing becoming Batman, um, Bucky becoming Cap. Do you mean, like, as an idea or as, like, a specific run? Pete's already thinking of (laughs) Spider-Pig. I guess as an an idea is is fine. You know, however you interpret the question. I'll go first because I have a couple answers that are going to be pretty much inconsequential. Uh, Dick Grayson, (laughs) Batman. Um, Uh... Superman slash Captain Marvel switching identities. I think that's really genius anytime it happens. Uh, Bucky Cap and also, uh, you know, I'm going to add to that Sam Wilson Cap. And also uh, the various times that Daredevil has needed a stand in. So like there was a there was a point in time where Peter Parker was Daredevil and then Iron Fist was Daredevil. Um, I always think that's really interesting. I think it's 
it's in the in the back of like uh, the immortal iron fist danny uh is in uh the daredevil suit during uh the first civil war that really confused me when i like when i've read civil war i didn't understand that and actually uh this is not to derail this uh but mark millar screwed up because he writes he writes daredevil as daredevil but it's not daredevil like in the in the in the Civil War book, Mark Millar writes Daredevil as if it's really Matt Murdock under the costume, but it's actually Danny Rand. So it's kind of a screw up. It's it's most people don't know that, but yeah. Anyone else want to tackle this? Um, yeah, I have a couple ideas uh, that came to mind. Um, so the first one that came to mind for me was Kate Bishop Hawkeye. Nice. Um, I I love. I love the idea of that, like, because I'm always, like, really not into when a superhero's mantle gets passed, but um, I, I always liked Kate Bishop, the idea of just, like, her honoring Hawkeye and then, like, them becoming partners was cool. Um, and then her becoming her own, you know, a superhero in her own right kind of thing was really cool. Um, so I always thought Kate Bishop was a cool character. Um, Bucky, obviously, I that's, like, I think that's a fantastic run on Captain America, um, and that's another one that just, like, makes sense, because it's, like, again, it's someone honoring the mantle. Cat's mantle's been passed a decent amount in a way that, like, I feel like it's a little more appropriate in a way that doesn't bother me as much, um, and Bucky taking it up just, like, felt natural. Um, and then I'm gonna give one last one, which is, uh, Rhodey as Iron Man. Yeah. Same reason, where it's just, like, it, it's, it's a natural fit, you know? It's, it, it's, it didn't... It wasn't jarring to have him take up that mantle when Tony wasn't being Iron Man. I'll add to that uh, Pepper Potts as Rescue. I don't know. I don't know mm. that she's ever been like Iron Man, but I do like that she got her own suit and was Rescue for a little bit. Yeah, that was cool. Marco, do you do you want to address this? Um, I've never actually read a book where like somebody. I I've only read one other book where um, somebody actually takes up the mantle, and that was Black Mirror with um, Dick Grayson as as Batman. Yeah. So like that's the only context I really have. So I feel like that's a, such a natural one too, right? Or it's like that's the whole point of Robin, right? Right, right. And I really, I really like the way that um, that it was like it was written to fit like him, because it, it, it didn't feel like Batman. It, 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 they're very two very distinct Batmans, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, they have very different personalities. I, yeah, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The biggest crime DC could commit to Scott Snyder is not letting him make more of a, a Dick Grayson Batman. Yeah, because that was really good. I don't want to like get too in the weeds on that, but I do think that's like a really interesting thing I've never thought about. Like, it's interesting how Dick like definitely seems to like take um, like Bruce's ideals to heart, but he's just not like emotionally damaged in the way that he is. Mm. Yeah, man, you know? Pete. It's going to be so cool when you get into DC this year. I know. It's like, I'm like wow, that's really interesting. That's cool. I'm going to read that. Pete, <laughs> I'll have that conversation with you after you read Morrison's run. That's a good run. I've read that, Phil. If you have, then you did, Then you read Dick Batts' Batman. I did. Okay, because you only said Black Mirror. But that, that was like the first one. That was when I really liked. Gotcha. Yeah, so Pete, you call Dick Grayson Dick Batts as like a shorthand for Dick no, Grayson as Batman. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never be doing that, by the way. Uh, just no, I can't. Um. Oh wait, fuck! I'm sorry. Can I throw a okay. moment out there? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, in the in the Ultimate Universe, 
um, when Wolverine died and then his son became Wolverine with like the new Kitty oh, Pryde led X-Men. Yeah. That was like one of the best ultimate books. That was my favorite ultimate book that they ever did besides Ultimate Spider-Man, Peter Parker. Um, that whole like her running the underground mutants after Ultimatum was fucking awesome. Yeah. And he was just a cool character. It was another thing where it's like Wolverine's dead. That's super tragic. His son taking up the mantle in his place was a cool thing. Yeah, that was very unique, actually. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, he had like a little mini series called Ultimate X, I think it was called too, where it was like his his he was like he grew up in like the Midwest or something. It was it, it was cool though. Yeah. For me, the qualifications for a good passing of the mantle are kind of what you guys were referring to, which is that the character who takes up the mantle, uh the the writer is able to tell different stories with that character than they mm-hmm. would the the person who normally is, you know, whoever the hero is. So like for example, as Marco said, the difference between Batman when Bruce is Batman and when Dick, Dick is Batman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in that vein, I think the best examples, I mean, we've talked about them, but I think Bucky as Cap is, you know, that that's probably the, the, the top one, right? Uh, because we got a, a Cap who shot guns, right? Like, just immediately visually that's just whoa right but then also his lack of confidence uh steve rogers is just so confident like he you get the vibe he doesn't even think about what he's doing like he just does it right and then but bucky was just not sure of himself and that affected the way he acted as a hero so i thought that was really cool um and and watching his journey to grow to become a respectable captain america and then kind of the apex of that was fear itself where they're up against this unimaginable evil and he's the he's captain america right so in those situations steve rogers would always be the leader right everyone would look to him for the solution and he would rally the troops and here's bucky who's not as confident who's new to these boots trying to kind of emulate what steve would do but in his own way and he succeeded so i thought that was really cool um and then they get a moment together where steve does return during that run and he's kind of like here's your shield man and cap's like no that's all you 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 got it uh so it's kind of a passing of the torch so i really like that uh and then you know obviously dick grayson as batman was amazing black mirror we've all talked about it enough already um the differences between uh bruce and dick like what pete said i never thought about it until well until batman died right and then you got batman and robin that run and how different dick was that was with dick and damien yeah and their their dynamic was really interesting um far more interesting i think even than when when bruce returns to the mantle and he has dick or he has damien as robin so i i really i really did enjoy their interactions yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. Um, I, I'm not really gonna, I'm not gonna shout out any more except for uh, Kamala Khan becoming Miss Marvel. I, I really, yeah, I really enjoy that. Um, Phil, um, my <clears throat> my favorite passing of the torch has got to be Dick Bats. I think, um, <laughs> it is, it's, I think it's the best passing of the torch story wise, and it's not even conceptually necessarily. I really enjoyed that Morrison run. I think Batman and Robin was this high-octane, thrilling adventure um, with uh, Dick and Damien. Um, It was a real fresh 
perspective and a real fresh spin on the Batman mythos, I thought. Um, so for me, that was probably the most high quality. But of course, Bucky Cap was a lot of fun. Uh, that was really well executed. I mean, you can't praise Brubaker enough. Um, I think the Brubaker Cap and Morrison Batman runs of the late 2000s are f- pretty seminal. Among the best runs of yeah. the late 2000s, you know? Um, other than that, uh, I don't know if this counts, but my thought went to Miguel O'Hara Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. I, I, I that's like cool. that one too. I don't know if that counts because that's the future, right? Yeah, but it's like kind of the same thing. I mean, it's just like I like that idea too, right? Of there being like, oh, it's the future and there hasn't been a Spider-Man and this guy put picks the mantle up again. Is like I think that's cool. Like cuz Peter's dead. Peter can't be Spider-Man. <laughs> in that in that vein, I'm kind of surprised you haven't brought this up and maybe you you were working your way there. Um it's also since we're talking about passing the torch, um it's also really important to talk about the first sidekick to do that. Uh, Wally West transitioning into the Flash after uh, oh, right. Barry Allen died. Yeah, I was going to mention, I was going to get to the, well, DC is very well known for its legacy characters, and I was going to talk about Connor Hark, Connor, Connor Hawk and Roy Harper uh, becoming the Red Arrow and the Green Arrow respectively at different times. Uh, or Green Arrow and Red Arrow respectively. Um, I was going to talk about Kyle Rayner becoming the lone Green Lantern, because while like Guy Gardner and Jon Stewart they were they were Green Lanterns while Hal was Green Lantern. Kyle was the Green Lantern, the only Green Lantern when every other Green Lantern was gone. Um, and then I was going to talk about uh, Ben Riley, Scar- Scarlet Spider. I think that's a good one. Yeah, I was going to bring him up again too. Uh, Wally West and Barry Allen is like probably the best example though, because I mean the quality of books that Wally West got in the late nineties and. Uh, Late eighties and early nineties were really good. The Mark Wade run was great. The Jeff Johns run in the late nineties was real dope. Morrison had a hand in there. He too. did, yeah. So let's see. Is there anyone else worth bringing up? Hang on, Phil. So who's your favorite of all that? Because that's uh, actually the probably, question. It's probably still Dick Bats. <laughs> yeah, I think that's mine I, too. I, I do like I, I like the, like in All Star Superman. There's the there's like the League of Superman or whatever, where it's like all the Superman from different timelines and far down the future as they take on like cataclysmic events and like the concept of that. There's the Superman of one million AD or whatever. And he's like the gold Superman. That's a neat idea, and I think for a character of the scope and magnitude of Superman, that's a real novel kind of concept. I, I actually thought of two. Uh, one that I'm actually really surprised no one mentioned. Uh, Batman Beyond. Oh, oh Batman Beyond. shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, that's my favorite one. There you go. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> Batman Beyond is dope. Yeah. It's the same thing, right? It's like, I like, yeah, it's like Bruce is too old, you know? So we get we get somebody new. It's a natural progression. Yeah, exactly. The other one is not, it's not kind of, it's not real, but it's, you know, kind of fun anyway. Uh, anytime. Superman puts on the Batman costume. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I actually agree with Pete, something he said earlier, though, which is that I'm, I'm generally not a fan of superheroes taking on other people's mantles. And um, especially with what's going on in Marvel right now. And like I said, we'll talk about this more later. But uh, I really dislike how many superheroes are off the table and how many uh, different characters are are wearing the costumes of heroes, but they're not actually that person. So, like, you know. Well, wait. I, I thought one more. Last one. Well, there's this is, like, the one that has had the most uh, secessions, but Robin. 
And for me, I love yeah. Timmy and yeah. Lane Robin. It's a good, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I like Tim Drake. <clears throat> See, I'm all I'm all for Tim Drake, yeah. Tim Drake. <laughs> <laughs> all about that dick. <laughs> Perfect. Well, but does does Dick count though? Because he he's the That's first. That's right. One. That'd be like saying, "Oh, Bruce is my favorite Batman." He okay, he took the I torch away like from the Zorro. Best, the best passing of the mantle, right? Yeah, I hear you. Um, that's fair. I just mean he's my favorite Robin. Yeah, uh, yeah. Then yeah. Um, I guess I like Jason Todd just because his story's so tragic. Yeah, <laughs> Jason Todd's a fuck. Damn. No, he's a fuck, but like. <laughs> It's still sad. He was a little kid, though. Like he was a fucking yeah. He's a little punk kid. Batman tried to help him out, and and he goes off on his own and disobeys Batman. Like I'm sorry, that's what happens. That's, that's what a kid would do, dick. though. That's what kids do. They run away when you're in the mall, and they steal tires, and then they die. That's what happens. That's why you don't <laughs> run away in the mall. When my sister, my little sister, is uh, seven years old, when she came to visit me here in New York, we would uh, stand on the subway platform. And uh, I said, uh, so, you know, the yellow parts just, uh, you know, on the platform, just where the uh, the train comes in. I told her, I said, you know what happens when you stand on that uh, yellow subway platform? I said, you die. <laughs> oh, my God. <gosh>. Jesus <laughs> Christ. So, <laughs> so, I, so I would stand on it and she would go, don't do that. What are you doing? That's terrible, Kale. So. Let's let's do some news because there's quite a bit, and I think we're gonna have some uh, interesting conversations about this stuff. And we're gonna start with the biggest piece of news, which dropped just yesterday uh, at around 9 p.m. Uh, it looks like the Batman film has found its director. Mm-hmm. So obviously, we all know Ben Affleck dropped out of directing the film. Uh, he's still gonna star and produce, but. Um, directing just was too much on his plate. And so they had to quickly find someone else. And they did in Matt Reeves, who directed Cloverfield and is directing the War of the Planet of the Apes film. Uh, and so he's in early talks to take over as the director of the film. Uh, the new the new Cloverfield, the newer one? No. Oh, the first one. Yeah. I don't have an opinion then. Um. So, I mean, like, this is... I don't think this is, means anything. You know, it's like he's a, a fine director. I like the Planet of the Apes movies. Um, you know, it's like if they're putting him at, at the helm of the new one, that's they probably have some faith in the guy. Um, I, did he do the other ones or is he just doing the new one? Uh, it says he's doing the new one. I don't know if he did the other ones. Okay. All right. So, yeah. And like Cloverfield was great, you know, so like that's fine. But I, I don't know. I feel like I made my opinion well known. I feel like this movie is in trouble. And I don't, I don't think that any director coming on this late in the game with the amount of other hands that are, like, in the pot, you know? Like, these movies are clearly movies made by a committee. And mm-hmm. I don't think that it's a well-oiled machine in the way that Marvel is, where, like, their movie's made by a committee, but it's a committee that works. And they find people that want to work with the team that they have. And I, this, it just feels, like, cobbled together. And I don't think that... I don't. I don't see anyone coming in and salvaging this in the way that we want them to. So I'm. I'm going to keep my expectations. Or even in the way low. that they can. Yeah, I don't even know if you can. Let me just jump in here real fast because uh, he actually directed Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and he he took that movie over from another director. Mm. So that kind of shows that you know he he can come in and and be that guy. 
All right, maybe so. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think to Pete's point, yeah, I think this isn't going to make a difference. Like, I think, uh, I think they'll probably end up doing what Affleck's vision was in the first place. Uh, just because, like, there's not much to these movies anyway. They're, we're not going to see anything specific, you know? He's not going to be able to make his mark on Batman. And I feel like the whole thing is going to be like, even if, even if he did have some unique vision for it, they're not going to let him make the movie he wants to make. They're going to let him make half the movie he wants to make and half the movie they want to make. That's what happened with fucking Suicide Squad. Yeah. You know? Like yeah, they brought exactly. in, um, what, what's the guy's name? The director? Uh, oh gosh. I can't, um, I can't think of it. Yeah. David Ayers? Yeah. Yeah, David Ayers, who's like a very stylized director. Everyone's like, oh, okay. And like, you can see his flavor is there, but it's fucking, it's totally watered down. And it's not the movie he wanted to make, and it's not the movie they wanted. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like we're going to inevitably get something like that. It's going to be a camel. You know, it's going to be something in between two extremes. Unless he's ready to come in and work with their vision, but I don't feel like their vision's any good. So, Well, speaking to that, it actually looks like, if reports are correct, they might not even be going with what Jeff Johns and Ben Affleck put together. Uh, the word right now is that they're scrapping that entire script and starting from what? scratch. Yeah. Oh God. I mean, maybe that's good. Maybe that's Whoa, a good thing. No way. Know. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to say. I just, I don't understand why they're having such trouble with this because when you look at the Dark Knight series, right? They they found a director, they found a writer, they put a team together, and they just made those movies. But that's the thing, man, is like it, it it was such a different time then. You know, it's like that movie was meant to be one Batman movie. And if it was successful, you get another one. And if it's successful, you get another one. I'm not old. That movie's old. It was a different time. It was. <laughs> Guys, I guarantee all this bullshit means we're going to get another Batman origin. Oh, oh God, we're going to see his parents die again. I would bet you $100. I'll take that bet, dude. I don't think DC's that dumb. Dude. <laughs> I, I do. I do 100%. Dude, I'm ready to lose $100 because if they do that, I'm walking out. I'm telling you right now. If I see those parents one more time. <laughs> you're going to see You're gonna die. see a broken string of pearls in a pool of blood. And we're going to have to watch little Bruce Wayne ball his eyes out over his parents' corpses. <laughs> God, dude. Every director has to. Like, I feel like every Batman movie... At, at least once we've seen that except same yeah yeah like, same as spider-man yeah like, unbelievable it's like the most well-known origin story yeah who i feel like there are children being born right now who already know how bruce wayne becomes that's Batman. yeah like we don't I, need yeah. it anymore i've said that for years yeah so uh i mean we'll see i don't i agree with you guys ultimately whoever the director is doesn't matter and that's really unfortunate I wish that DC would figure out what it is that Marvel's doing right and emulate it because I, you know, I don't think. But that- like, that's the problem is they're trying to emulate something that's successful instead of doing something. Well, yeah, yeah. what I what I mean is, I mean that in 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 terms of personnel. Like, you look at um, James Gunn; he's been allowed to do what he's wanted to do with the Guardians, and that's why those movies are good. 
But yeah, but I, I think it's just because like Marvel has a vision and like they've had a vision and that's the thing. It's been a slow thing and it's planned. It's it's calculated. Like this is clearly DC like they're they're playing catch up and it's not working and they're just throwing shit at the wall and trying to just make these movies happen on these timelines that they've set when they're not together. You know, it's like that's not how you make a fucking movie. Right. And the, but that's the that's exactly the issue and so instead of doing their style which is you know, to rush things, look at Marvel. Look Shit at, things out. Yeah. Look at look at the structure of their world. It makes sense. You can plot from movie one, Iron Man, to the last we got, which was strange. It all makes sense. I don't think there's an outlier there. Whether they were good or bad is irrelevant. It, it all makes sense. Yeah. And you just can't say the same for DC. So, I, you know, they need to just sit down, take a year, figure it out, and then go from there. It's, it's too late, though. You know, like, they're already on this fucking train, and it's, like, either they're, they're trying to write a sinking ship. They have to commit. They have to commit to it now. They can't. You, you can't do anything else. Yeah. Just do Justice League, stop, and then think. Uh, yeah, I think they should just end up Justice yeah. League. And, like, think. Like, you can, you can branch out and do... Justice League number two, that's fine. You could do another Superman, but good God, give it a second. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Just think about it. Well, shifting gears from DC to Marvel, uh, it's been an ongoing conversation recently regarding uh, Marvel's villains. And so the question essentially was posed to Kevin Feige during a Guardians of the Galaxy 2 set visit um, about this issue and about the villains and um he actually said some interesting things uh he's he's remained consistent when talking about this but he says that it's probably true uh but i love that (laughs) he's like yeah probably he says they do probably suck (laughs) he says it always starts with what serves the story the most and what serves the hero the most a big criticism of ours is that we focus on the heroes more than the villains i think that's probably true um and he talks about Loki, how great Loki was, and, uh, you know, a bunch of different villains uh, that they've used over the years. And so he goes on to talk about Avengers Infinity War. And he says, in a movie that has a lot of characters, you could almost go as far as to say the villain Thanos is the main character. That's a bit of a departure from what we've done before, but that was appropriate for a movie called Infinity War. Uh, and finally, he says, in 2008, two superhero movies that came out uh, one focused on the main villain, one focused on the hero, and we at Marvel looked at them like, yeah, we focus on the heroes, we don't mind that, we like that. Um, so, and of course he's referring to the Dark Knight and Iron Man. So, I, I've always been of the mind that what Marvel does works, but it works at a disservice, a great disservice to some amazing characters. Uh, you look at Red Skull, who I believe is a phenomenal character, generally speaking, who no one really even remembers from the first Captain America, uh, which is really unfortunate. I think uh, Ronan was not really well utilized. Uh, they didn't really do too much that was interesting with him. And there's just a laundry list of villains who you could say that about. And I, re- I hope they bring Red Skull back. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. They'll have to do a different actor because I know what's his name. I think that's part of the reason we haven't seen him again is because the actor that yeah he was like I'm done like character got wrapped I'm good yeah he's like he was like it was cool or whatever but I don't I'm not looking to like be in a thing um and like they did kind of put the bookend on him so it's like they don't need to go back to that well but I hope they do 
I'm with you. I, I like Red Skull. It'd be really easy to bring him back too, because he got sucked into the cosmic cube. Like that thing's everywhere. Right. Exactly. It's like, oh, fucking, he's back. Whatever. And he, he, and he has a new face. Wow. Or yeah. you know, like whatever. Oh, no. Well, it's also like he wouldn't even like his face is a skull. Like you wouldn't even have to notice. <laughs> yeah, you just get somebody else and put the fucking same prosthetics on. You know, it's like you won't. Nobody will notice. They changed Rhodey to an actual different guy, and everyone was like, "Whatever." We had two different Hulks. Who cares? It's like I don't think it's as much of a big deal as people like to act like it is. I think it is for certain things. Like people probably don't want to see a different Tony Stark, so to speak. Yeah, at this point. Yeah, but Red Skull and Rhodey aren't. Tony Stark, like no yeah. big fucking deal. Totally, that's that's a fair point though. I, so re- regarding the villains, though, I really do like the idea that they're going to place Thanos at center stage. They've been building towards this for forever, right? And by the time we see him, it'll have been it'll have been like six years. And so I think it's about time that they really focus on a villain. Give us, you know, a backstory. Give us something to to. You know, some meat on the bones of the character. Yeah, something to attach to. Yeah. Uh, Kale, you don't seem to agree? Uh, no, the Thanos part, yeah, I, I do agree. They've been building it. I, I would like to see, like, a little bit more Cosmic Marvel. Um, I think, uh, I do think, yeah, I think it's a good idea for Infinity War. Maybe not necessarily Thanos, but with what they're building, I, I do agree. Yeah, I think, that's what uh, got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think with stuff like, uh, uh, like the Red Skull... I like I I I don't care to see where he came from or what his you know I would love to see him come back yeah as a villain I don't care to see his Nazi upbringing and like I don't I don't want to sympathize with a villain I'm tired of sympathizing with villains I want to root I think there's for... some there's some villains you want to sympathize with but yeah there's some that you just want to sure. watch fight you know but like, like yeah. yeah but not like Norman Osborn or you know I mean the Scorpion sure maybe uh or the Shocker okay <laughs> i'm dying to see the shocker on screen by the way oh i like i like yeah, electro yeah. i feel like electro is one of one of the villains it's very easy to sympathize with because yeah, it's just like that was okay a regular guy and just some yeah. shitty things happen yeah jamie fox yeah it was his birthday it was his birthday <laughs> in spider-man yeah spider-man made him sad that's literally that's all i need <laughs> yeah right well i think i think one thing that you you just touched on is like a lot of marvel's best villains are from properties that they don't own in the film universe like they don't have access to dr doom they don't have access to galactus magneto up, up until now haven't had access yeah i was gonna say magneto up until now we haven't had access to the spider-man rogues gallery so now it's like we have the opportunity to see people like norman osborne or or you know the sinister six or or what have you um so yeah but again like these bigger villains like norman osborne like i don't i don't care to see and even like to a degree even like dr octopus like I uh, I think it was Dan Slott explored his stuff uh, in Superior, and you know his dad called him fat, and you know didn't like that he you know wasn't <laughs> was a, a quarter- nerd. Yeah, I don't care about that. So like, I I hear your I hear what you're saying, Kale. I think that the the thing about Superior is that he was the main character and he yeah, was the yeah, hero, yeah. so like they kind of had to do that. But when you're talking about like when you're talking about the films, right? I don't think that. It, in order to have a good villain, they have to be sympathetic. You look at the Joker, right? Probably the gre- the greatest uh, superhero villain we've seen, 
And we don't know jack about him, right? He was just lying all over the place. What made him compelling was that they really sat down and thought, how do we take this guy and make him the perfect foil for the hero? And I don't think that they've really done that with these characters. It's been more like, okay, how can we take, how can we take the hero, take what's dark about them, or just do the opposite of what they are, create a generic character, and then call that the villain? And that's bad. Uh Right, exactly. And I think the thing too, like to to the point of the Dark Knight, right? Because it's like, obviously, that's kind of like the the pinnacle, I think, right? We can all agree of like superhero villains on screen. When you like people always, they like, oh, the Joker's the main character. And it's like the Joker's on screen for like 10 minutes of that movie. You know, and it's like, it's because he has gravitas. It's because the moments that he's on screen matter. And it's not all just Batman and him punching each other. You know, because it's like some of the best moments he has aren't even with Batman. And like, that's the thing is like there are moments about the Joker that have nothing to do with the hero that are interesting and establish his backstory in a small way or like help you understand the character's ideology. And that's not something that we get in the Marvel movies. They are someone who's exactly like a mirror image of that character more often than not, who has a vendetta against them for some reason that we get half explained and then they fight. Yep, exactly, and I'm I'm over that, and I think I think that's the general feeling among uh, moviegoers is that it's kind of you know it's kind of tired. It's played out. Yeah, so we can move on from that. Last night, a really really awesome video came out, which is kind of like a production teaser slash. Just general teaser for Avengers Infinity War. Uh, it's re- relatively short. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out. But it, yeah, it it does give us a narrative about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, how it's all come together, how we've gotten to this point, and we ultimately do see some concept art and I believe a small bit of footage from Infinity War. Yeah, um, I, I I can only speak for myself. I was so jazzed. I thought it was awesome. It was so cool to see Robert Downey Jr. and um, uh, uh, what's his name? Chris Pratt and Tom Holland just kind of standing there talking about these characters. Like these three, like those are the three sort of main characters from the Marvel Cinematic Universe just hanging out and listening to Tom Holland talk about how when he was a kid he saw the yeah. first Avengers. Yeah. That was the best thing. That was, yeah. yeah, that was awesome. I, I Especially loved hearing him talk in his accent, I'm just like, whoa. Yeah, that was like <laughs> jarring. I like I was like, whoa, um, I forgot that he, he wasn't from here. Uh, but yeah, like it was just amazing. I was gonna say, I love, I just loved that idea of him where he's like, oh yeah, like I went with my mates and saw like the first <laughs> Avengers movie. And it's just like, man, what were you like fucking 14 when that movie came out? If like, that, amazing. yeah, if that, he was probably yeah, like he's, seven. He's 18 like, right now, right? And that movie came he? out like what? So he was like 12 then. Like, yeah, it's like, holy shit, that's awesome. It's like, what was that? The first movie your parents let you go to by yourself? <laughs> and now you're... <laughs> You're in the fucking... You're, yeah, uh, you're fucking in it. Like, Yeah, well, and you're fucking Spider-Man. Well, it's fucking amazing. Yeah, what a what a life. <laughs> My favorite part was uh, when Kevin Feige was talking about, uh, you know, how they have all these super developed characters. And then my reaction to that was, oh, and Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 Hawkeye blows in these Hawkeye movies. Hawkeye has like, a wife... Yeah, he's dude. a and, person. Like big, yeah, big fucking deal. Like, 
I wish Jeremy Renner didn't play him. I don't. Oh, know so he, much. Yeah. I'm really not into him. I feel like he's super generic. I, I I will say regarding Jeremy Renner, I like him, but I feel like he was cast. He would be better suited if they were doing the ultimate uh version of Hawkeye, where he's kind of like this super militant like dude who doesn't even talk and uses guns. I thought that would have been far more appropriate. And I thought that's what they were doing when he was introduced in Thor, but then he was just the regular Hawkeye, and he's miscast for that character. Yeah, because even, even in movies where Jeremy Renner's character has personality, he has no personality. Like, I, just, <laughs> I, went, and saw, I went and saw Arrival not that long ago. And you like, didn't, you you didn't know, like it? No, I loved it. Oh, oh. Up until up until the line where Jeremy Renner, you know, says some, you know, that hokey love bullshit at the end of the movie like i i legitimately he goes he goes yeah i stayed here for you i went oh fuck off like in in the middle of the crowded theater like i'm not having that (laughs) but he's supposed to be he's supposed to be this charismatic scientist and he doesn't do anything at all kale you're supposed to be silent during movies well jeremy renner's supposed to have a personality to make me like him in a movie (laughs) doesn't do that either (laughs) jeez so, I mean, I, I've never been more excited for Avengers Infinity War than right now. I, I think... Yeah, me neither. Yeah, yeah that, was, that thing was dope. <laughs> oh, we got, co- we got official confirmation that the Guardians and the Avengers are going to meet, which is cool. Yes. Yeah. That was, like, the assumption for the long time. It's going to be awesome. So, let's, let's talk about comics just a little bit here, right? Um, Marvel... Is that what we do on this show? I think we so. Mentioned, we mentioned Warren Ellis. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> what else do you want? <laughs> um... Marvel has officially uh, blown the doors wide open on Secret Empire. It's officially going to be their next event. Uh, we're gonna, it's, it's gonna drop. The zero issue is gonna drop in May of this year, of course. Uh, or actually, the first issue is dropping in May. Um, the zero issue drops in April. So this is cool. I've been talking about Secret Empire for a while on this show and how happy I am with what Nick Spencer's been building towards. So I, I can't wait to see. This whole thing go down. What's kind of bothering me though is that this is going to be. There's two things. It's a nine issue run, and it's ending in August. So if the first issue drops in May, then that means it's just uh, a few months. And I don't like it when events play out that fast because there's no breathing room. And then you get the other problem, which is what's bothering me. Uh, it's that this series is going to have multiple artists it's gonna have steve mcneven andrea sorrentino lineal Yu, and daniel Acuna. all of these artists are working on this one series and 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 they definitely do not have similar art styles so you're gonna get the same problem you get with dc where they push these uh events out so fast but the art is just inconsistent i'm i i personally am, am a person who wants the same two people, right? The same writer, the same artist to work on one run throughout the entire event. I don't like it when they do things like this. But other than that, I'm super excited. Now, part of this uh, thing, and I think you mentioned this in, in our show notes, and uh, I don't know if we're going to talk about this later. Uh, you mentioned that this might act as like a, 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 a sort of rebirth for the Marvel Universe. kind of sort of so and this actually ties into the next bit of news which leads us into our main topic uh which is that 
people are tired. Marvel fans are tired of the politics that drive the main storylines of Marvel right now. And all of the, basically all of the, the main heroes being wiped away and replaced with different people who are younger, more diverse, and don't have the history in, in the Marvel universe that, you know, characters like, you know, Wolverine and, 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 uh, Tony Stark do. And so the, the ongoing theory is that after Secret Empire is over, Marvel's gonna do a rebirth type thing where all these heroes are gonna come back. Uh, some of the ones who are now occupying their, uh, their mantles will, you know, take on some other mantle or just kind of fade away. Like, I, I can't imagine Jane Foster's gonna remain a store. Uh, I'm sure X-23 will go back to being X-23 instead of being Wolverine, that kind of thing. And so Secret Empire is the big event that's going to unify everybody before that takes place. I guess, I mean, I guess that is logical just because, you know, if this, uh, if this Steve Rogers is from a different dimension, they'll use the Cosmic Cube or some bullshit to go find him and then, uh, you know, bring the others back or whatever and, and reset everything. Yeah, that's a possibility. Uh, the possibilities are endless. Marvel clearly has no boundaries when it comes to bringing back their characters. Um, what I will say about this, and then I'll, I'll open the floor, is just that I like the fact that it's finally just an event where it's heroes fighting villains. So many of the events that we've gotten. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, to a degree. Uh, they're still fighting Captain America. I mean, we know he's, you know, a, a well, villain it's, or it's whatever. Well, it's also but... Red Skull. Uh, they're they're equal. Actually, Cap is under Red Skull, so this is very much Cap carrying out Red Skull's plan with the with the intention of usurping him later. And and quite frankly, you know, even though he's wearing the face of Steve Rogers, this really isn't our Steve. He's Rogers, a scroll. So... <laughs> Not quite. Uh, but I don't know. I, I I might be the only one here who's into this, but I'm really excited. I I will agree with you. I'm very pumped to see heroes actually fighting villains. Uh, I'm yeah sick of heroes fighting heroes. I I think that after Civil War and after the Scroll Invasion, like I'm 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 tired of it. Like I get it. Sometimes things are different, and we don't all agree. Um, I I don't. I don't want to see old heroes come back. I uh, I think I've said this before. Legacy characters to me uh, signal growth in 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 comics and in like a, a franchise. You know, like we were talking about earlier, the uh, the transition from uh, Barry to Wally uh, as the Flash showed a huge amount of growth in the character, and Wally is like. I mean, up until now, when they forced Barry down our throats, like, Wally was the most known Flash. I just don't, I, I think it, it shows, uh, you know, it, an immaturity and a, a nostalgia for characters who are gone, and that's not how the real world works. Like, you know, if Marvel's supposed to be the, you know, the, the company that, shows the the world outside your window my grandma's not on the other side of that window like and if she is i'm in trouble <laughs> you know what i'm saying like yeah yeah no i i do man i i think you're making a good point that i haven't really thought about um which you know to 
Sean, the point that Sean and I made earlier, where it's like, I don't really like the idea of superhero mantles passing, but like they do. And like DC has shown better than anyone. It's a good thing sometimes. Yeah. And that's the point of a superhero mantle is that one day it, somebody else is going to take this up. And I feel like, I feel like to have these characters take up these mantles, especially these new younger characters and not give them enough time to like grow into the role in their own way and see how they are their own version of them or whatever um, is a disservice to these new characters and is going to just be the thing. It, it, it does, I think, reek a little bit of like what Kale's talking about of just kind of like of comics being very, very driven by nostalgia in recent years as opposed to telling new stories and like being like you know um not to like borrow something from south park but it's kind of just like oh remember this thing that you like you like remember remember this remember this storyline remember yeah remember this character wolverine you like wolverine and and it's you know it's kind of like i i either want them to just like i want them to pick a lane you know it's like either kill these characters off and let these new characters be for a few years or whatever and then bring them back when we've really missed them for a while or don't and you know like grant i mean i guess wolverine's been dead for a while but like then we had old man logan it's like we don't ever no, really get a chance wolverine, to miss him wolverine hasn't been dead for a while he's only been dead for six months no he's barely, been dead for like barely a year no that was when i was in college no when they yeah, had the death of wolverine 100 yeah yeah it was in like 2016 i think or not 2016 20 14 15 2014 at at the at the earliest because i was in college i was in college when it happened it was 2014 um, i've been posted up okay there no you go fucking way so yeah so he's been dead for a while and that's that's great but like again you know but like, also also not in comics time like these issues come out what monthly so he's been out a month like it's, it hasn't been that surprisingly, long surprisingly like it seems like there's only two characters in comics that have stayed dead. Uncle Ben Parker and Captain Marvel. Because everyone else that was untouchable, like Jason Todd, Bucky, um they, Barry like, Allen. They specific they specifically wrote Barry Allen so that no one could bring him back. And lo and fucking behold Jeff Johns, baby. Here comes Jeff. <laughs> Here comes Jeff Johns with his boner for the Silver Age. <laughs> Obviously, we're, we're we're into our we're into our main topic. So let me just frame the conversation. Marvel's really shifted their focus towards the younger characters, like uh, Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, Miles Morales, the new Nova, the new Hulk, uh, just a ton of 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 new characters, Riri Williams, uh, just all over the place, and. That's come at the cost of a lot of characters who people know and love and have been reading for many, many years. And so the guys are, are, are addressing feeling like we're not really willing to accept and move forward with the fact that, hey, these characters get old. We've read them for many years. They die. Let them move on. The problem is that Marvel obviously is seeing a downslide in sales. DC is kicking their ass right now ever since Rebirth. And a lot of people, myself included, attribute that to the fact that they stopped trying to push certain characters down our throats. They are readdressing their history, the history of these characters, and they're, they, they brought everyone back. Uh, Marvel has relented. They don't want to do that. 
they keep giving us new number ones. They keep giving us these new characters and fans, longtime fans are over it. We want our Thors back. We want our Tony Starks back. And the conversation is, one, are fans right or wrong for that? Two, is should Marvel uh, acquiesce and give in to the fans' demands and bring back these characters? Three, are fans, is it a race issue? And is it a generational issue? Or is it simply that people want what they like and know? Huh. Uh, and four, did DC do the right thing by giving into the fans and launching Rebirth? Those are kind of the questions that I want you guys to have in your heads while you think about this. Let me let me throw this out there. Uh, Ike Perlmutter, uh, Marvel CEO, uh, big time Trump donor, Trump supporter. I don't know what this guy's politics are. But uh, a return to the all-white guy Marvel Comics line could be political. And that's, that, and that's all I'll say about that. Yeah. He's been their CEO during this like expansion of all these like minority characters, though. So Yeah, but Trump's in power now. I don't think that has anything to do with it. I don't know. Um, I'm not... I hear Trump is taking over Marvel so, Comics. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. The reason DC's sales are going up and, and like, you know, because they're focusing on good stories. They're, you know, the Flash is good. Green Arrow is good. Superman is good. Uh, but, like, the reason that's succeeding based on those characters and those old characters especially is because they've already tried to shove that stuff down our throat. Like, they brought back Barry Allen instead of leaving it Wally West, and now we're stuck with white Barry Allen as the Flash. So, like, that's already happened. I mean, Wally West until the New 52 is white as well. And I think they just brought right, back right. Wally, but what I'm saying, white Wally. But what, I'm, but what I'm saying is that they brought back Barry Allen because the fans demanded it. There wasn't a huge outcry for Barry Allen to come back. Like you said, I think with Barry Allen... Even, look, even worse. You're just proving my point even worse. They're shoving him down our that throats. Was, that was the reaction of a lot now, of people when Final Crisis was happening and Barry Allen came back. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's my point exactly. They've already tried to shove this down our throat. Now he's getting good stuff because now they're like, oh, okay, well, that didn't work. Well, we've got him anyway. Let's do some other good stuff. So now, so now Marvel's gonna bring you know uh, a, a cool story about Hank Pym coming back to life, and I, who cares? How long has Hank like, Pym been dead for? I don't even know if he's dead. He's not even dead. All right, <laughs> but like, but like, who cares? Like, I care. We've got Scott Lang is a great Ant Man, and his stories are pretty Doesn't good. Beat his wife. I feel like it's an issue of trying to have of them trying to have their cake and eat it too. You know, it's like they want to have they want to be able to establish these new, more diverse characters, but also be able to lean on the legacy stuff because fanboys get upset when they can't read about characters that they've been reading about forever, which I understand. But it's like, but those books we, still it, exist. Like they can just right. go on Amazon. Like, yeah, go read old comics. You know, it's like they're they're 50, 60, 70 years in some cases. Stories about Batman is Bruce Wayne. We can't take dick grayson being batman for a couple years you know like and i feel like the issue could really easily be alleviated 
with something that I wish they would do anyway, which is by maybe establishing legacy books that exist either outside of continuity or that exist in the past, like Spidey, which was like, people are bitching that there's no Peter Parker Spider-Man books. So they're like, all right, well, here's Spidey. It's an ongoing book about young Peter Parker. Yeah, like, but then but then what happens is no one buys it, right? Like I yeah. I am I am I am directly in the market of people who are complaining about this issue because here's here's my thing. One, the books that they're putting out right now are actually good. All the books that feature these younger characters are really good. Champions is fantastic. Uh Invincible Iron Man starring Riri is fantastic. All new uh All New Wolverine starring X twenty three, Thor, all these books are good, I hear, I, and that's I fine. I see them get shit on from, all the time on the internet. Yeah, well, they're that probably by people that don't even fucking read them, though. You know, the, yeah, I suspect those are people who are not being objective. Objectively speaking, these are good books. They're quality, and Marvel's trying to tell good stories that are different from the ones that you can get with like traditional uh, Thor or traditional Iron Man or whatever, right? Um, and that's fantastic, but I don't want those stories to come at the expense of the characters who are the reason why I read comics. But that's the point. Like, if like like I said, like Marvel is supposed to be the the com- that the company that represents what's outside your window with Spider Man. Spider Spider Man's eventually gonna die, and that's it. He's not though. Like. In real life, he would, but this isn't real life. This is comics, and because of that, Peter will never die. He's never going to die. He's never going to get a gray hair. None of that's ever going to happen, and that's a good thing. Because but it's like that's not true, though, man. Because like he has, like he used and to be he's a teenager, died, he's, and he's like died now twice. he's a guy in his thirties. I didn't say he. You know? I didn't say he would never age. I'm saying that he's reached the point where they're not going to take him into old age they're not gonna take him into old age and then have miles be the main spider-man that's never gonna happen they've actually they've actually taken steps to de-age characters like magneto like that like they're not gonna do that no and like you're right but like i think that's part of the problem here is because like their answer for creating new characters is to create characters that take up mantles of old characters and then they want to have both of them and i think that's not interesting like I don't want there to be two Spider-Men. Like I like I don't like that. I don't like that that I don't get to have the Peter Parker Spider-Man that I want and that Miles Morales also exists. And it's like I don't like that there's going to be this new Hulk and then the old Hulk's going to come back. And it's just, like it's too fucking much, man. Like we don't need all these fucking repeat clone characters. It reminds me of like fucking looking at you know, like, some of the, like, ridiculous fucking Silver Age shit where it's like, there's five different Captain Marvel characters in the Captain Marvel family. And it's like, that's fucking... Whoa, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm sorry. Don't trash the Marvel I'm family. I'm sorry, that shit is lame as an idea. Whether whoa. or not there are good books that come from them, that's fine. But, like... That's not a lame I idea. I think it is. I do. And it's like, I do. And it's like, just because it's, like, it ended up being cool that there are a lot of these, like, clone characters. Like, sure, like, Connell Superboy's cool, right? But, like... I think it's fucking lame that there's, like, 12 fucking super hyphen whatever characters. Like, can't we get some new ideas that, like, if we want to establish new characters, make new characters? And I know we come back to the thing, oh, well, then the books don't sell. But now you're making the case that the books don't sell when it's new characters in the old mantles anyway. So maybe the answer is that new characters don't sell and we can't get new stories. But then we're stuck with the old problem of everybody bitching that we get the same shit over and over again. So, like... Someone somewhere has got to make a compromise and st- or, and and stick to it. Maybe maybe we should just stop with comics. Let's just let's just shut it all down. 
just let's just fuck it all. I think we need to turn. We need to unplug comics and then. Yeah, plug well, it back that's in. kind of the thing. Is like you talk about how this Marvel line isn't selling compared to the DC um, Rebirth stuff, and before DC Rebirth, DC had the New Fifty Two, and then they had DCU, which were both kind of innovative ideas that were trying to take fresh and innovative takes on 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 the industry, and they didn't sell. Um, can I can I just add something real quick? Uh, to Pete mentioned this earlier with DCU, um, they also with the continuity when they announced DCU, the idea was that each story was going to be its own continuity, like it wasn't going to be attached to a main continuity. This is at really all. neat. And they they threw that out as quick as they possibly could. Like it did not work because shit doesn't go over well. And who why the, did who they the do that? Who the fuck knows? It lasted like a month. No, because no one wants it. No one bought it because no one wants it. No one wants yeah, it. Yeah, but but you know what, Sean? But you know what? Like I, to challenge you though, because you you were the person who jumped up on the soapbox about how nobody wanted to let nobody wanted to let Nick Spencer tell his Nazi Captain America story, and that everybody flipped out, and that was why it didn't work because nobody wanted to give it a chance. That's the same exact fucking problem. How do you know you don't want that if as soon as they announce it, everybody flips out and then they fucking backpack? Well, look. That's what always happens. I can't. We end up in this fucking stagnant middle ground where it's they want to do new things, but everybody flips out and won't let them do new things. So they do old things. And then we bitch that they do old things. Yeah, but here's the deal, though. You, you can't even come at me like that because I read all this. So at the end of the day... At the end of the day, like, I, I am the person who tries everything. Like, I read books from DCU. I read the new, I read every new 52 book, but I also read Nick Spencer's, uh, Captain America. And then I judge it based on that. So, so I'm not the So, target. what I was saying before I was interrupted, boys, <laughs> is DC Rebirth, as the Dio put it, was a return to meat and potato comics. And lo and behold... God, fuck Dan DDO. I just can't believe he just said his name in my presence. <laughs> and lo and behold, DC Books started out selling Marvel because it seems like all fans want a status quo shit. And so, presumably, if Marvel returns to status quo shit, for better or worse, it'll probably sell better. I think I think the reason that people want it to return to the status... Marco! Oh, good. Here comes Marco. <laughs> <laughs> what's up mark oh hey, uh so what's the topic after this? Uh, what are we gonna say oh uh, the whole wanting to return to a status quo thing is just a direct response to like dcu and to new 52 so it, it's just I, I guess a natural progression that they're gonna like and then after this in a couple years they're gonna want to relaunch like change up the brand somehow and pull another new 52 or dcu so we're just we're whining about something that can't be solved from our level right now i mean yeah I mean, but that's, that, what, that's like yeah. literally the point of the show right like we that's don't like, have yeah, that's, power that's, so that's, that's that's why we started the comics piles like i i mean look people to me if you're gonna complain about something you should at least try it that way you know whether or not you like it that's fair uh, but I think that what we're seeing with those sales that Marvel has and versus the sales that DC has is that people are speaking with their wallets right now and they want what they want. And to me, being bullheaded about some initiative when no one cares about it is not wise. Like I said, I am the target of this, right? Like I've been reading comics for over 10 years, 
which I'm sure most of us have, but I've been reading Marvel specifically and never ever jumped ship. So those characters resonate with me and I don't want them to be put on the back burner at all. I want them to be center stage, but I also want Kamala and Riri and, you know, all these new characters as well. And I believe that it's possible for them to exist in the same universe. And a lot of the chatter that I see online, uh, especially from like Comics Explained and Comics Historian is, hey, we love these characters. It's not about race. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about, hey, when I was young, these are the characters that I loved. And because they don't have to die, because they're not humans, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to exist on the same on the same plane as the rest of these new guys who we also love. I think that's fair, but I don't know. I, I just feel like it creates a lot of bloat. You know, it's like, can, can you really like, I mean, I guess you can, I guess you can just publish compelling stories about all these characters, but I feel like that's not what ends up happening. DC does it. They, they're doing it right now in, in the flash book, which Kale and I both love. There are three different flashes that appear in that book. That's fair. Not yet, not counting all the city people who get turned into Flash. Right, like in in uh, there's there's like two there's two or three Supermen I think right now, plus Superman's son, who's a, a young person but still his kid. Like they have all this, and 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 you know whether or not we like it, as the five of us on this show, the books are selling right. Like people want it, and hey. And we're getting a, a black, young Wally West, right, in The Flash, which I, I love that character. I think that's awesome. Oh, I was going to say, I think the Superman thing was, I think it's deliberately for a storyline purpose. Like, all oh, the multiple Superman at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. It's like some, I forget, like super. I think it's some kind of culmination into like a storyline thing, which is whatever, but... Because um, wasn't there a thing where there was like a Chinese Superman recently? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's still there. Well, he just got abducted or some but shit. Also, I, don't know. I haven't read Tomasi Superman a bit. There's, yeah, there's like a whole no. It's a uh, Jin Jin. Uh, oh, what's his name? Oh, Jin uh, 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 Liang. Yeah. But no, no, no. I mean, he got abducted in, in Tomasi's story. I don't actually know his name. Oh, gee, okay. Yeah, there's a whole like Chinese Justice League. And there, it's Bat Hyphen Man, Wonder Hyphen Woman, Super Hyphen <laughs> Man. It's a it's a novel idea, honestly. But so, like, it's also like you know, Sean. You said people are speaking with their wallets. Well, what's going to happen when there are so so many books? Which happens? We see this with image titles when you just can't buy it all. Right. Well, I mean, I'm in that position. There are more books that I that I would like to read than I can actually buy, and that's and if they're and if they're all good, well, at the end of the day, hey, there's something for everyone. And I think that the key that both Marvel and DC have missed, but DC is getting right right now, is that there, there needs to be something for everyone. If you want a diverse group of people to read your comics, you need to provide a diverse group of comics for people to read. Well, that was that, and, was, that was the idea of DCU. The idea of D, the U in DCU is like, well, this there's a book for everyone, every type of reader. There's a book for... I didn't feel that, that was uh, That was the idea, though. That was the that was the, the the editorial narrative, so to speak. I guess I guess the issue there, though, Sean, that I see is because uh, I think you're I think you're ultimately right, right? Like if it, that that makes sense. If you want to please everyone, you have to make something for everyone. But then I guess that also means that you need to be willing to like eat shit on some books, you know? Like, and I I don't know that these publishers are willing to do that. 
I was just going to say we've seen Marvel start culling some of the books that they publish, and I, I wonder if this is in response to that. That's all I had to say. The big problem uh, with the idea of meat and potato comics, if Marvel does call this into like a, a status quo, maybe that like Spider-Verse or whatever seemed like it was them trying to like, let's, let's cut down some of the fat, so to speak. Um, and Secret Wars as well, the recent Secret Wars. Um, the problem with that from the corporate perspective is that they feel like that won't attract new readers, but um, it's it's like in sports. Let me put it this way. So in hockey, when a when the NHL puts a team in Canada, the idea is that there's a rabid fan base here that will always go to games, but the cities are much smaller in Canada and there's less room for growth for new fans. So when they put a team in the Southwest in like Phoenix or in Las Vegas, which does not that's not a traditional hockey market. The idea is that they'll be able to grow new fans, and there's more money in these larger cities. But of course, that's like that's the that's the that's the balance. So in comics, when you do meat and potato comics, you get your traditional readers reading it. But the idea is that you're not going to be able to grow into a larger readership. But when they experiment and try to do new ideas, the idea is that hopefully we can grow the market for with the traditional readers and growing new readers. However, when they do that, it seems like they alienate the old readers. That is absolutely true. It seem it seems that way. I like I I don't believe that's the case. Like in like intentionally. Like maybe the readers feel that way, but I don't think. I think that's just a dumb reader thing. Like, uh, no, you're, I'm not a dumb ooh. reader. Dude. I, I like no 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 no. Sorry sorry sorry. I I, I phrase that wrong. Like a like not not a dumb reader thing, but like a a dumb I don't know comma reader thing. Like it's a thing I don't agree with. Not not that the readers are dumb. I okay yeah I see I see your point. See the th- okay so two two things. One I want to address what Pete said. Marvel publishes books sometimes that I really don't understand. Like for example, they published Fool Killer uh, alongside like a few other titles after Civil like War Na- Two. Nighthawk. Right, like books that like who who's the target for that? Right, like like that's weird. But if they publish, I mean, it's like I will say like I I w- I was interested in Fool Killer. It's because it was a novel idea. Yeah. Like, and then, and then, like, I used to read Full Killer back in the day, but it's like today in 2017, like, I don't know who's buying that. But that's the thing, right? Is like, that was, I thought, interesting because it was like an elevator pitch for it's like, yeah, I wouldn't have read an old Full Killer comic because he was like a boring assassin. But the new book is him being a, a therapist for supervillains. And it's like, that's a cool idea, but you're right. No one is going to read that, even though it's an interesting book. Right. And so when you talk about them calling titles, for me, it's like, hey, why, like, be more selective? Really, really try to create a, a universe that has something for everyone, but that makes sense on a level where, okay, people are really going to be interested in this. And I feel like Marvel doesn't always do that. I mean, like, I think you're right, but I, I think the danger there is that, like, couldn't you have said that about Tom King's vision? I don't like, think so. Like, isn't that a novel, interesting idea that, like, who does that appeal to, Well, though? yeah, I mean, that's the unfortunate reality with, like, your critically acclaimed books. So, like, with DCU, their best books that they released during that time were Omega Men and Prez, right? But those were the least selling books because, ultimately, if it doesn't have an IP brand recognition, no matter how good it is, the larger general audience is not generally going to go for it. I mean, hell, like, none of most of us didn't even read Omega Men when it was coming out, so oh, that's part of the problem, right? But the difference between... 
Vision and Omega Men and Prez is that Vision was a direct response to something that was happening in the Avengers. So if you read the Avengers, then you could easily and seamlessly transition into Vision and know everything. I have no clue where I should have started if I wanted to know what was going on in Omega Men. In Omega Men, though, that's the thing. You start in Omega Men. Like, it's a self-contained book. Yeah, but and that's cool. But what I'm saying is like it, like the point you were trying to make was that Vision is a weird like title that people won't get on its face, but they would if they read Avengers. Whereas Omega Man has no jumping on point. But then that also comes back to the whole problem of like, I'm sorry, Phil, I don't mean to cut you off, but I want to respond directly to what Sean's saying. I mean, I mean a little. <laughs> a little, I guess, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's, it's just like, but then there's that problem of, to what Phil said about having an insular market. Like, you're saying that like, you'll read vision if you read avengers but what if you don't read avengers with vision vision is a much more well-known character and in, in an, as an ip than the omega man or prez prez is, is they're both both those titles are obscure books from uh prez was a book from the 70s and the original Mega Man i think is from the early 80s uh most modern readers aren't familiar with those but people know who vision is with from the very least the avengers movie um but as a as a as a book, I don't know. Even if you're reading Avengers, if people are, uh, Vision is still like a fifth, sixth, seventh wheel in the Avengers as a larger collective thought. I think. And and I will say though that like Vision makes more sense to me if I like if I'm a publisher and you pitch me the Vision, even if it's possible and I know this that I could take a loss. Vision makes more sense to me on its face than a lot of the other things that Marvel does publish, like Fool Killer. Like I think Vision is obviously a more has has a greater chance at success, and I don't feel that they always choose the books that have a greater chance at success, even if the book ultimately doesn't sell as much as they would like. And if and if that's the criteria, then it's like, well, why well why wouldn't you want to publish a book with Iron Man, Tony Stark as Iron Man? Like why wouldn't you make that money? That doesn't make any sense well, to me. Because, again, I think that's the thing that kind of sucks is, like, because, again, like, the example that you're bringing up, like, Fool Killer is, like, the, well, for one thing, also, I think, like, Max Bemis wrote that book. If you don't know, he's, like, the the singer from um, Say Anything. So, like, maybe he had some ability to, like, make a request there. I know he's written for Marvel in the past, too, so he has a relationship with them. So, that's, maybe. That's not, that's not the same guy that did uh, the Superman book, right? No, that's Max Landis. He's a he's a director. Max Bemis is a is a he's the singer of of um of Say Anything, which was like a punk emo band in like the early two thousands. Um, yeah, I know you're an emo boy, you know. Um, so maybe that had something to do with it. But like again, like Full Killer is like you're right, like that's not a tested property. But like that's the thing is like of all of the Marvel books that I've, like, read about that came out last year, that was one of the ones I've been most interested in reading because it's something new. And it's, like, yeah, it's, like, a character that I, like, kind of tangentially knew about and, like, maybe this is, like, a, a new... as a rebirth for that character and he could be something new and something more interesting than he was before. And, like, that is the kind of thing that I think Marvel should be taking a risk on because it's something fresh. And, yeah, like, it uses an established IP and everything that no one knows about, but, like, that's what the Guardians were too, right? Yeah, I, I think. Well, I won't get into that argument, but I think I think that's a that's a fair point, and it's well taken, and that's probably what Marvel's thought process is. But what I would say is, don't be surprised when a book like that doesn't work. And if you try right, it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Yeah, that's totally fair. They had to be willing to take it on the chin, like they got to put their money where their mouth is. You know, 
Right. And I think that you give yourself the chance to succeed best when you take titles like that or whatever it is and you put it alongside established properties that we know will work. Like they should have had a crossover with him in Deadpool or something. You know, like something that would put butts in the chairs for the first couple issues and and give the book a chance. Right. Exactly. And I th- and, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier. You read Vision because you read Avengers. You know, or maybe you just read Vision because you're a Vision fan, whatever. Or but yeah, because like, you saw Avengers and you heard Vision was good. Right. I, I read Vision specifically because of how they teased that book out in Avengers. And that works, right? Like I, all the books that I read that aren't the established characters, I read because of something, some involvement that they had with characters who I already like, like Miss Marvel involved with Captain Marvel spinning off into her own series. Like there's so many examples of that. That's why I read those books. And that's how you get people to read those books because you're not pulling in new readers out of thin air by just saying, Hey, here's Jane Foster's Thor. Who cares? Right. But if you get me to read it and you get me to talk about it, right, whether it's on the forums or on this podcast, people will go and check it out. So I don't know. Uh, Anyone else have anything they want to add? Marco, get in here. Uh, No, I have no opinions on this. Guys, corporate comics sucks. I can agree with that. Let's just throw that out there. Corporate comics. Do you know a publishing company, Kale, that could give us the comics we need and crave? Boy, we're trying. (laughs) Boy, we're trying. (laughs) So, before we wrap this bad boy up, we do have one last thing to talk about, which is, you know, a little trailer called, a little trailer for a show called Iron Fist. Uh, I have mixed feelings, actually. Uh, So, I'll I'll start us off then, I guess. Um, So, a lot of it looks really good. The action looks good. Uh, I think I, I mean I've been excited for an Iron Fist show for a really long time. Big fan of the character, so you know I'm definitely gonna watch it. But I have to say that it does look kind of cheesy. And so, for example, there's a scene that they show in the trailer. Budget for you, Sean? <laughs> no, no. There's a there's a scene that they show where it's young Danny Rand in the snow. Uh, obviously it's, it takes place like after his family has died cause they go hiking or whatever. He, he doesn't even look like he, he doesn't have snow on his face. He doesn't have cuts. Like he looks fresh, you know, like they didn't even think about that. And then there's a, um, a snippet that they showed of Colleen wing fighting two guys in a, in a steel cage. Right. And she doesn't, the choreography is absolutely terrible. She fights them like she's their size, like they're huge six foot five hulks and she's this, you know, small person and she's not using her quickness. She's not like using Kung Fu. She's just throwing punches and kicks and just seeing what happens. She gets punched by these guys and just eats it, you know, Uh, and she's not, she has no powers. And then the dialogue is also poor. Like it just, and I felt the same way to a degree with Luke Cage where the, the the quality of the writing wasn't as high as it was for Daredevil and Jessica Jones. And I hope that this is not a signifier of a so? trend. Yeah, I definitely think so. I thought Luke Cage was um, very cheesy. Very, very cheesy. I mean, like, uh, at times, yeah, but I think Luke Cage is kind of a cheesy character sometimes, so. it Yeah, what, wasn't, wasn't Luke Cage, like, responding to, like, making that character grow out of like the 70s like black exploitation cheesy stuff I, I when i say cheesy i don't mean like this is kind of cute i mean like 
this writing isn't good. I mean, like, no, yeah, I like, I understand that that's what you mean, but I'm saying I, I don't know if I agree with that. I guess because like I feel like there was a fair amount of cheese, but I thought some of it worked. Like I think there's definitely some some stuff that was very like silly, um, but I got a kick out of it. So like. I, and I don't know if that's intentional and maybe just landed for me and didn't land for you or. Well, there were just like, it, I don't know. I guess that could be possible, but it felt like with Luke Cage, there were a lot of instances where it's like, why would you even say that? Why would that be the line right now? Like just, just odd moments of yeah, what I felt. I didn't have any of that. So. Eh, well, um, so, so that, that was my takeaway from, from Iron Fist. I, I felt like, the visuals are, are solid. You know, it looks like a well-shot show. We're probably going to get action on par with Daredevil at some points. But um, what I saw from the Colleen Wing uh, featurette and some bits of the trailer have me a little concerned. Okay. Yeah, for me, this trailer didn't add. Like, I, I'm excited about the show. I, I I hope it's great. I hope they do it justice. I we've talked. We I think we've talked about the the uh, representation issue uh, to death with Iron Fist. Um, I hope they pull it off, uh, but this trailer doesn't really change anything for me. I'm still going to watch it. I'm still going to be excited about it. I don't really know the character. Um, surprise. And um, <laughs> trailer ad does nothing for me. Like As somebody who doesn't know who, he, who the character is, it doesn't really set any, like much of anything up other than like he does kung fu. And he's got a, he's got a cool tattoo. He has the same backstory as Green Arrow. How did you feel about the trailer then, not knowing much about him? I don't know. It didn't feel like it did anything to to make me want to watch the show because I I don't really I didn't I don't have any context for it, so I can't be like, oh, Iron Fist is gonna be on, you know? I, Do you, I, well, I I think generally most people don't know who Iron Fist is, and I feel like the general connection is people are like, well, I liked these. He's like a dealer. I like these character. other Netflix Marvel shows, so I'll watch this. Um, the do you have any interest in watching it? Uh, I mean, I'm gonna watch it because it's it's a Marvel property. Because <laughs> at uh, this point, it's part of your job. Y- like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the trailer, as somebody who doesn't know the character, it didn't do anything to want me make me actually want to go watch it. Except say we have a new show called Iron Fist that's gonna come out on Netflix. Like that's that's all it did to me. Sean, do you think the trailer is a bad job of selling the the property? Yeah, I actually do. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that too. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I, w- I would say I'm on the same level as Kale, where it's like I was already interested in it, so it's just kind of like this is just another trailer for it, and it's like cool, great. I'm excited that it's well, coming. I out. I remember finally. they seemed like they were struggling the most with Iron Fist like a year ago. Mm-hmm. There was talks of like yeah delays. They've said that too. So yeah, I know like, they made it very clear that our, they put Iron Fist last because they didn't. know Which is crazy because I don't think Iron Fist is that complicated. <laughs> I think he's the toughest sell out of any of the defenders. I just don't think he's that difficult. I don't know. I don't. I don't think he. He's not digestible in the way that they are, though. You know, it's like Daredevil is poor. <laughs> I love your analogy uh, for him. Jessica Jones is a PI, and Luke Cage is, you know, uh, an out of town. Yeah, well, and ex con, like all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I think Iron Fist is the most like superhero-y thing we've seen out of. Like you know, traditional superhero thing we've seen out of um, the Netflix yeah, stuff. We've gone into great detail on Iron Fist in previous episodes. Like I think when we did that Doctor Strange episode, we talked a lot about 
Iron Fist and what how we we'd handle it. But honestly, I, it's, the story isn't that. It's it's fairly it's it's a it's a riches to rags kind of story. Then back to riches and uh, tra- trail to the Orient. Phil, I feel like you, the problem I see though a lot of times when you talk about this stuff is you don't, I don't think you do a good job of looking at these properties through the eyes of a normie and not somebody who is a comic book reader. Because like, that's the thing is like, yeah, like the story, the beats of the story are simple, but like he gets his powers from like a fucking <laughs> dragon, dude. Like that's comic booky as fuck. And like, that's not, and not, that's not, gonna... not only does he get it by from a dragon, he punches the dragon and then hugs it. So he gets, the tattoo on his chest and yeah then, and then his fists are iron yeah see like i don't know any of this you know so like this would have maybe maybe made me interested into in the show if they had shown like him getting like powers like, like some explanations to who he is i i feel like that's very off brand though i don't i think that i don't think they want to like, i don't think they're not sure they might not things, but i feel like that's something that we're gonna get I, I think we will but maybe not exactly that but i feel like we're, they're gonna tease it out the way they did daredevil's origin where it's like it's not gonna immediately start with the dragon hug that's something we're gonna get after we're already sold on the flow of an iron fist episode the dragon hug that's perfect god i hope i can write iron fist someday so i can put that in there this could be a wrestling move one day <laughs> I'm tired of this. Can we end All right. this? <laughs> <laughs> Shit, wow. <okay. laughs> All right. Well, then. Uh... That'll do. <laughs> Another executive decision <laughs> by Kale, I suppose. I new, done. new portion uh, of the show. It's over now. <laughs> the portion of the show I'm, where Kale's defeated and wants I'm, to end. I'm just, hold on. Hold on. Now, hold on. I was never defeated. I won the electoral college just fine. The popular vote. I mean, the facts, Pete. <laughs> All right. So, as per the request of Kale, we're going to wrap this one up. Be sure to check us out on social media and let us know what you think. Twitter and Instagram at the Comics Pals. iTunes, please do leave us a star rating and do write to us. Uh, we will respond to you. Uh, YouTube, YouTube, subscribe to our channel. It's much appreciated if you do so. Leave a like and a comment on the video. Uh, let us know what you think about the diversity issue. Let us know what you think about what DC has done with Rebirth, what Marvel may be doing, and where you stand on that issue. We're really interested. Um, if you want to comment on anything we talked about today, just let us know in the comments. Yeah, for sure. And, and if you want to, if you, if you want to, yeah, if you want to talk to us about anything, we'll talk to you. Comment on Phil and his sass. We'll see. All Kale's day. got all day. He'll talk. I probably to won't day. talk to any of you. Uh, and then, last but not least, <laughs> do write to us on Gmail. Uh, that's the comicspals at gmail.com. Plugs. Pete, hit it. Cool. All right. So, yeah, again, thanks for joining us here on another episode of the Comics Pals. If you guys want some more content from me, uh, you can check out my writing at comicbookresources.cbr.com. Uh, I do list articles there on the regular, and if you go and click on them and read them, I make money. So, please do that, and I will be able to eat food and pay for my new computer. Uh, if you want some more content from me, you can check out my YouTube channel, Slack and Slash. That's Slack and Slash. Uh, it's slackandslash.com or youtube.com slash slackandslash. We do a podcast every Monday that I'm the host of. Uh, we do Let's Plays, some scripted content and stuff like that. Ton of fun. So if you're a gamer, come check us out. Uh, and if you want to just follow me or talk to me somewhere on the internet, you can follow me on social media at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, yeah, come have a conversation with me. I'd love to talk to you. Kale. Okay. 
Uh, fuck, what was I going to plug? Okay, so, a couple <laughs> things. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, so, last episode, uh, when Jess was on, we talked about uh, the Chimera Brigade. We said it came out, the trade came out in April. Uh, turns out it, it's going to come out in July uh, because of various ti- Titan issues. So, uh, I'm sure Titan will announce that. I, I'm, I'll probably get her in trouble for talking about it. Uh, also, don't forget to go. Good thing we did that then. Don't forget to go uh, to uh, my friend Kira's tiny studio and her Etsy store. She's donating thirty uh, percent on uh, of her total sales this month to Planned Parenthood. Uh, so buy some jewelry for a good cause. Go follow my uh, comics company. Buy our stuff on Comicsology. You can find us on Facebook uh, at Panels Comics. You can find us on Twitter at Panels Comics with an X. And uh, our website is panelspublishing.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto in Toe. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. Awesome. Marco. Uh, so you can follow me uh, at woe is Marco on Instagram and woe is Marco underscore on Twitter. Um, I'm usually retweeting all of uh, Kale's stuff. So, you know, that's about it. <laughs> Phil? Um, let's see. You can follow me on the social media at Cyborg Bebop on Twitter. That's a new change. I changed it for the first time in like three years. Oh, you yeah. can change it? Oh. You're a son of a bitch. Now I have to upload all <laughs> <your> shit. <laughs> I was Cyborg Holiday for like three years on there. So it was a. You're not supposed to change your branding on social media. You know. Yeah, it's too late, homie. You're a public it's already changed, now. so. Hate you. <laughs> um, and then you know what? I I before I said I wouldn't talk to you if you tweeted at me, but I will. I'll tweet. I'll I'll, I'll reply to you. Just uh, send me pictures of breakfast pizza. Ooh, breakfast pizza. <laughs> That's a joke from our post show that would have been up this week, but my computer blew up. So <laughs> stay tuned. What do you got, Sean? <laughs> uh, you can follow me on the Twitter. Right? <laughs> <laughs> on the you Twitter. Fucking year old man <laughs> at sean's soapbox so yeah hit me up we'll talk about whatever once once i figure it out i'll tweet no, back. i'll tweet i'll tweet back dude i'll pals pals real quickly before we end the show we got sean to make a twitter so now i need your help tweet at sean tell him to make a fucking put a banner up he still got blue blank nothing he's no he I, I fucking made him put up a picture <laughs> I sat there and made him do it because I knew it would still be an end. Uh, all right, all right. I'll put up a. I'll put up a banner. Someone's knocking on my door. Right. I'm leaving. Uh, this is Comics Pal signing off. Take, Take care, care folks. <laughs>